Coming to you from deep in the flyover states, we reviewed WWF Coliseum Home Video Rampage 91. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. And welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 234. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP this week for the people, and specifically one listener who requested it. We watched WWE Rampage 1991 for Nick Opelouski, the man who loves his rampages. And, uh, (laughs) you know, this was... A Coliseum video. The uh, the golfing with Gene and Brain was fun, and uh, there was potential in many of these matchups. But in very standard Hulkamania era wrestling, we get a good amount of schmas finishes. So it is it is kind of it's baffling good, that this was bad. even put together. Like it's one of those things where it's like, aren't, isn't the Coliseum home video thing for kids? Like generally. I don't, and then, like, you, you decided to theme it after golf. Like, you get to watch Bobby Heenan and Gene go golfing. Like, who is what? What kid wants to see this? And then, you know, four out of your nine Did matches you, have finishes. Would you prefer <laughs> Jimmy Hart in his recording studio? You're okay. not wrong there. All right. Because we watch this because, well, this is a wrestling review show. Each week, DP and I get together, discuss an event we agreed to watch the week before. This book club for wrestling nerds. For any and all information about the show, links to Twitter, Facebook, and the rest, visit goldenagepodcast.com. And if you feel the need to express yourself further, maybe something a little longer or more involved, send us an email at goldenagegrappling at gmail.com. Absolutely. And if you want to be like Nick Opelouski and have a show that you've decided we should watch be reviewed, send it our way. And yes, we'll check do that. It out. Especially if it's really easily available on the WWE Network or YouTube or Daily Motion or something like that. We are but simple men. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, uh, yeah, but not to drag it down, but by God, if I'm going to RIP Regis Philbin in this area of the show, <laughs> then I think we owe it. Gonna- we, well, damn it. We owe it to two people, unfortunately, this Oof. week. The first one is a bit more of a local thing for me, and that was the passing of Mitch Ryder, a uh, independent wrestling star who maybe had some of his most ex- national exposure working in Chikara. For a good amount of time, you know, he okay. popped up in CZW occasionally. Um, I used to watch him in IWA Mid South a lot, working with Bull Payne, and uh, you know, always seemed like an all around nice guy. I was actually had the pleasure of being in his home at one point uh, when I was shooting the video for a wrestling company, and they were nice. picking up a ring that he owned, and uh, he was just a really funny, nice guy. And so, it was sad to hear of his passing. Definitely. Dude, and then the other one was he that. That caused a bit of a heart palpitation in the political world. Right. Kamala passed away. Yeah. So R.I.P. Kamala was trending on Twitter, and uh, <laughs> I didn't even think recent, about the timing of that. Recent oh, VIP geez. nominee uh, or VP. candidate Kamala Kamala. I can't remember how to say her freaking name. Kamala Harris. <laughs> Some people had yeah. thought that maybe you know. I hate to laugh about this at all, but it, yeah. it happened. Of course yeah. it's going to happen. I mean, that's yeah. aren't bad, they spelled bad. the same? Oh yeah. <laughs> Cuz that's the thing. Is like if they weren't spelled the same it wouldn't be but with Twitter 
Anything yeah. that's, it's, it's the problem with like Google and the things that are hard to search. Like there's, there's been a yeah. rise of, of bands choosing names that are impossible to search for. And if they're not big on the charts yet. So, yeah, but in sad news, uh, you know, you do hate to hear about the passing of um, Kamala Sling. Um, he had a, you know, tough end of his life. Yeah, just, like, had a really bad go of it in the last few years from a health standpoint, but it was, you know, from everyone who you hear from was always a, kept a positive way about him and uh, was never anything but nice to folks. And if you haven't watched the match of 2006 where he challenged Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson at the time for the Ring of Honor Championship, <laughs> go out your way and look that match up because it's a lot of fun. So. Nice. That would be fun. I'll check that out. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, rest in peace. Sad to see him go. We have Mitch Ryder and um, Kamala passing away, unfortunately, recently. So Absolutely. All right, well, so that is you know kind of part of the current world, I guess, but now let's uh, dive further into the current world here because before we can get back to 1991 to talk about this Coliseum home video, we have to talk a little bit about what's going on in the now with a taste of the now. An appetizer, let's call oh. it. It's uh, the Sid Vicious Dishes. Oof. Yeah, with that force, with this look on my face, it was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. And I have <laughs> because you are feared of me. And you will tell me the magic words. Sin vicious, vicious. Well, all the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony. We are live to tape, which <laughs> I just want to let you know. Maybe this will be cut from the show, but uh, the, I'm being a little iffy here on this computer, so we'll, we might have to save so, after about 40 minutes or so. <laughs> we'll see. Go ahead. What do we got this okay. week? Well, um, the WWE was trying new things this past week. And uh, while you have to give them credit for, you know, doing, trying some something new, yeah, it has all pretty much been met with almost unanimous negativity. Really? Okay. I've, well, I was curious I on mean, what well, the feed... I've kind of, let's, like, I've let's, bubbled let's, myself out of all this. Well, I mean, let, well, oh, great. Well, you're a great person to talk to about this. I'm no, I've been watching, good. but I have... As far as the reaction... So, so they had talked about there was going to be a shakeup, and that Shane McMahon was coming, and that there was he had a big announcement, and that there was also there's been rumors for weeks now about a new faction, and oh, was it going to be the Nation of Domination? Oh, not maybe it seems like it's well, it is whatever this retribution is. Yeah, um, but yeah, we kind of discussed this on the current wrestling more than we'll discuss it here, but they did a poisoning gimmick on television involving the Street Profits and Andrade and Garza mm -hmm. and their and their uh, ladies, you know, Bianca Belair and Zelina Vega. So there was that kind of a, a bit of an out of left field storyline on the wrestling show, <laughs> something a little bit different, you would surely say. I didn't think about that um, being being a result of them throwing things at the wall, but you're right, that is completely <laughs> out of out of nowhere. Right. So but on so the on the side of so before we even get to Shane O'Mac and his creation, throughout the show we had technical glitches. They 
lights flickered, uh-huh. mics went out during important promos involving female superstars, of course. There was, um, you know, MVP. I mean, they went got, male superstars as well, but yeah. Well, but you know, <laughs> VIP, MVP got, I almost called him VIP. Now there needs to be a VIP. <laughs> uh, MVP, you know, was upset after a match and talked about, you know, the unsafe working conditions and, you know, that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So that's all going on. And then we just get this, what? When all of a sudden, there's a, the guy that had been the giant ninja. I can't remember his name, but he's the NXT guy. But he was, like, standing outside a door as if he was, well, a doorman. Okay. And it was kind of like, what's that all about? You know, more to come. That was that guy? I didn't even realize that that was who that was. I just yeah, knew that just it was like, there's like a bouncer anywhere guy anywhere they can to take advantage of how tall he is. <laughs> all right. Get that tall guy. Um, I mean, at this point, you have no idea what's inside. It could be that, like, I mean, if if he's a representative of who's inside, it sounds like there's people in there. I mean, this could be a, a, a you know, a, a group of giants that live inside this this huddle in the basement of this PC. That was my first guess. That was my first guess. Um, <laughs> Charlie Caruso reports on a large sound that we had heard earlier, telling us that it was crates that had fallen over, and she reported live from the scene of. <laughs> Crates that had fallen over. Uh, and then I loved how MVP was like upset about you know her reporting on boxes that had fallen over. <laughs> At this point, he was on the hunt for Apollo, and there was bad blood from the U.S. title match they had that we discussed in the current wrestling portion. So this is um, he's already the lights have already beaten him. Then oh yeah, it's yeah it's been going on throughout various matches, not just MVP's match. Apollo didn't beat me. The lights beat me. I think he actually did say something that, along those yeah. lines, or he was—he definitely blamed it to some degree. Mm. Um, it's a direct quote. It was—it was a good line. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just actually go through and finish this stuff before we talk about any of the underground stuff, just because this is so sparse. There's really not much of it. Um, so we got security. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. We got security footage of a group of five individuals under black hoods destroying a generator. <laughs> This is just what the hell are they doing? <laughs> Destroying a generator outside of the building with Molotov cocktails. Yeah. Like, what? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, I. I so we've got the Molotov cocktails now, and the, you know, you've and got then, the look of these guys. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. And then I'll go ahead and I'll talk about what happened this most recent Monday. This, yes. Uh, this. Yeah, because it's it's very quick. They they start. There was also, I guess I'll I'll mention quick. SmackDown had a. It was awful. Yeah. Apparently, it was also planned last minute, and none of those people are probably any of the people that were in the faction. Those were just people <laughs> under those hoods that they had around. Because people were like <laughs> oh, noticing, like about people that. were noticing like painted fingernails and like yeah. oh this person's eyes and stuff and like because yeah they did like basically the Nexus gimmick on SmackDown where they tore up the. Yeah, with the fucking chainsaw that apparently the guy looked scared to use. So yeah, so that happened on SmackDown. Whatever. They did the Nexus thing. It's just... As effective. Yeah, go ahead. Let's continue with what has happened. And then this week on Raw, first thing, we we get a recap of what's happened so far (laughs) before anything (laughs) happens on the show. Uh, And then not much happened, actually. They were outside, like, vandalizing a car... Like flipped it over in the parking lot. Apparently, I don't know why they just did just one car, but it was pretty much just one car. <laughs> um, and then they also 
were breaking windows at the performance center and there was a shot of them breaking a window that was already broken with a concrete block. Yeah, man. Throwing it through the window. So yeah, this group is, uh, (laughs) isn't this all the same shit NXT did when they invaded like raw and SmackDown? I mean, they'd have a chainsaw when they invaded it. Well, maybe not the chainsaw thing, but wasn't there something like this where they were like, <laughs> breaking windows. I, I why do I just feel like they've broken windows recently? They might have broken windows. I don't remember the the window breaking, but it's just it's so it's just so clearly you know it's it's Vince reflecting the news or at least his version of, of oh, what he's seeing God. in the news. Oh, don't say it. And it amazed me that it's just like he was like, oh, that's what we're gonna have. We're just literally just gonna do like Seattle footage is what we're looking for here. Like Portland, Portland, all the, damn it. All the yeah, all the Portland footage here that is scaring people on Twitter. Let's uh, let's post. Let's make that into a wrestling gimmick. Yeah, I wish you weren't right, um, but that is exactly what I think they're doing. I just it, this is one of those things where like the stakes are so high at this point with the kind of damage that these people are doing mm-hmm. that when this is revealed, you know you can't. Go halfway. You can't stop short. That's the thing. Is, is it just going to be like new people? Is it going to be like a Nexus thing? Or is it right. going to be like know. people that we know that have like yeah. changed their ways all of a sudden? Right. Because you know? wh- whoever it is and whatever it is, it needs to be, you have to push it to the moon. It's like, Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, but I mean, seriously, like you have a chance to whatever this is to make a big freaking deal about it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that's what, and you need to if you're you're going to these links with this kind of crap and this craziness, you know, better not just be like, oh, here's who they are, and then within a couple of weeks they're like the League of Nations or whatever, and you're like, ah, yeah, that was a bad idea. We shouldn't have done that. Yeah, if if, if it turns out that Primo is one of these guys, yeah. oh, it's definitely led by Primo and Epico, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the other batshit crazy thing that's going on in this company right now that isn't really being met with all that much positivity. Is the underground? I just you oh. have to respect Shane McMahon. His like interests haven't changed since he was apparently like a fifteen-year-old boy, yeah, or whatever. He was telling his dad to buy this company at one point, yeah, uh, not fifteen, obviously, but you know. Anyway, it's like he's always, he's had an eye on the MMA thing. You know, he's a fan of it. Mm-hmm. It's his demographic. You know, very, extreme you wrestling, know. MMA. Like he's a fan. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's one of the best strikers I've ever seen. Oh, as far as his I hands mean, go. Aside from The Undertaker, he's, you know, right. he's I mean, right up when there. Those, when he lets those punches go, there's nothing you can do about it. Here comes the money, baby. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I couldn't believe my eyes when this thing... I mean, I, that's why I have to give it credit for it at least being something that like, made me f- feel something again while watching an episode of Monday Night Raw. Because <laughs> Shane McMahon welcomes us to his version of fight club dad gave me a room in the basement check it out exactly (laughs) um yeah and yes every indie company in the world that's done this we know we know you've done this the no ropes yeah yeah yeah. shoot fighting uwf yeah we know you don't have to keep posting about how you we know thank you all right goodness they're the biggest company though so it's theirs now so you can all just (laughs) stop this is how the world works. Corporations right. just take things. It's fine. Just take 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 it as a compliment and move on about your business. And the next time you try to have one of these, you will receive a cease and desist letter. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
<laughs> anyway, but Babatunde. Oh, Who I guess is it's Babakato now. Whatever. Babakato. I guess that's probably a better name. I don't know. Where'd he come from? Well, remember Babatunde was an was a, we saw him in an Evolve show. It was like a, the big guy that's not okay. as big as that really big guy <laughs> that they had in the ninja outfit that's in NXT Thank that they can't figure out what they want to do with, but they're really big and they like them. Okay. But yeah, apparently he's, is this like, now, do you think this is a red herring star that they're building up for, for somebody else to just, well, I mean, we'll talk about week two because okay. they did bring in another person <laughs> that is also pretty legitimately tough, but Dabo Kato is just beating job guys up. Shane McMahon's there. They got so, girls dancing on a stage in their underwear. Is this officially like a third hour thing or has it been, or when we, when we joined this, Only. has it been going throughout the night? Like. Are we Only to a believe? third hour thing. Okay, because it felt like th- at some point that it felt like there was like a kind of coming and going as it was going on. No, it only takes place during the third hour. Okay. Um, and it gets teased throughout the first two hours with Shane and girls dancing in the background. Um, I guess we'll just talk about that now. Yeah, his it wasn't strippers. There, it wasn't there week two. I'll say that. Really? No dancing girls. The girls, girls were week. gone in week two already? Wow. Well, girl, girls were fighting week two. Maybe the, so they were like, that you know we shouldn't. The, probably. Is it the same girls that were dancing that were fighting in week two? Or? <laughs> no, but maybe they were just they realized that that's not like a great optic, or you know, like. I mean, no, you're not wrong, but it's just like it seemed like a very specific like motif that Shane was going for. And maybe oh, just I, I feel like yeah, somebody really didn't so talk about that. Yeah, but yeah, so that happened. Then we get Eric from Viking Raiders, who <clears throat> beat a guy up. You know he was. <laughs> Impressive doing so. It was just kind of a little odd, I felt like. Yeah. And then, to no one's surprise, the biggest jobber in the history of this company, Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> was in the underground. Oh, he's a two-time All-American from Akron, as Shane's pumping him up. And he's was wrestling circles around somebody. Because, I mean, I will say, Dolph Ziggler absolutely could, you know, take down anybody that doesn't know how to fight gotcha. with his wrestling ability. Yeah. But here comes the Hurt Business. MVP <laughs> tells us they're running the underground now. This also just disappears week two. I was so <laughs> mad that this is all just <clears throat> all forgotten about. I wanted a um, throne room with MVP running like like Lucha yeah. Underground. A new person is ruling. They just start beating up people. Lashley's destroying dudes. Shelton Benjamin's beating up people. Uh... You know, and that that's pretty much the end of the show. They, they beat up the fans that were just standing there watching. What do you They'd think of this name, up. Hurt Business? What's that? What do you think of this name, Hurt Business? Like, I don't it just know, feels I like weird. It, it's like it's like the Minnesota Wild. Like it just feels like a weird way to like term like a faction name. You know, it's like it's almost like you know we're we're in the Hurt Business and business is good. You know, I mean, I could see that, but I could also see like Hurt Business, Hurt Business. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. Listen. It's always tough to create a faction name. Yeah, true. I will at least give it credit for being creative. Yeah, I, and I mean, Nation of Domination, I don't think gets away with it if they didn't have the like, do 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 do. Like that was just so catchy that of course. Right, right, right. No, yeah, they had they had outstanding theme music. That's right. No, I like Hurt Business, Retribution. I don't know about that. Because here's something too. They just Retribution. Recently, they just recently patented the name. Just us, <laughs> like J U S T U S. Are we getting like a a, a team that's going to be the anti like retribution? Like, are we going to get like a street wars? Like, just us. 
Oh man, is that gonna be like yeah. Ali and like a couple other dudes? <laughs> so, so that was week one. Week two of the underground was when they introduced their other, like you know, kind of shooter Arturo okay. Ruas. <laughs> I've heard that name Wait. before. Has he no, been we, in NXT before? Yeah, and Evolve. We watched him live. Okay. Uh, he kicked some guy's ass, and he's a legit like MMA guy. Nice. And then Dabo Kato beat up another guy. But then, how this is not a gif, and how this isn't being shared all over the place, Dabo Kato grabbed the man by his penis. What? And didn't like kind of grab him like, oh, it looks like... No, no, no. Like, for the cameras, made it clear, held on to the man's penis. Why? And squeezed oh. before punching him. It's like it's like real ultimate fighting from back when it was when it was no rules, Tony. I was floored. And was that specifically that, done just to show that you're allowed to do that? I guess. <laughs> I think that just tells you how little people pay attention to the, the, the WWE. Yeah. I was like, how were we not talking about Dabo Kato grabbing a man and strangling his penis and then punching him <laughs> to defeat him? Just seems like that should have made bigger news. I missed that one. Yeah. Yeah. So did everybody else, apparently. Um, and then Shayna Baszler got in the ring and went toe to toe with Dabo, which was awesome. And I wanted to watch, I was hoping she would take him down. She didn't. She beat up three <laughs> girls. She mean mugged in a. In a fight scene that would have made Charlie's Angels 2 look impressive and from a choreography standpoint. Uh, Doesn't sound very... And then there's articles going around on the shit news sites today about how girls told to hold back against Shayna. Well, yeah! There were three of them, you know? <laughs> like, I just feel like, this, like somehow that was like trying to say that Shayna's not a complete badass. It's like, cause I'll tell you what, even if they all three win 100%, she probably could have got mean and nasty enough to beat him eventually. But also, like, it's like, are, are, I, no, believe me, that's why I was so frustrated by it. It was the stupid news sites where you don't even click on it, and you wish you hadn't seen it. It's just like this isn't the brawl for all, you know. They're still right. wrestling, so. But anyway, I thought I what I what I'm hoping this leads to is a suspended Nia Jax fighting Shayna Baszler, fighting the underground, in the underground. <laughs> Underground is the home of Nia Jax. That's what this is built for. Shane McMahon just loves Nia Jax. So this is all just built for him. To, she, all these people he's building up now, she's just yep. going to come in and bust through all five of them. Yep. <laughs> this is all for him. So, yeah, I don't know. So what do you think of Shane and his sandbox that dad's letting him put on TV? It's weird. It's weird that it's in the... Th I mean, I get that they're trying to just keep... Because I, I understand that like when you look at the ratings, the third hour, it just like... It's just like oh, a yeah. downward slope. And I think it's just people falling asleep like I did. <laughs> just, like, like I'm just... I'm tired now. Uh, but I don't know. It's... It's weird. It, it is, it's interesting enough that I, I want to hear what happened and I want to see you okay. know, that part of the show. But it's not something that I'm necessarily like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens. It's more of just like, how long are they going to keep doing this? Like, what are they, what's the plan? What is the the idea behind this? Do they have an idea? Or is this literally just, we came up with it and like, get me some colored lights, some dancing right. girls, and a ring with no ropes, and I'm going to, you know, make something. Well, well, that's why I was upset when the Hurt Business weren't a part of it in the second week, because I was thinking, oh, this will be something... You know, they'll kind of run or will yeah. be 
you know, their home base. That'd be kind of you know, cool. Whatever. Like, I don't know. I figured that was going to kind of continue to be a thing. Because if this isn't being used to ultimately, like, push one or two specific people yeah. to some kind of... Then what are you doing? Yes. You know, is, are these the debuts that are going to get a Cabo Dato is, and an Arturo Ruas? Or is the idea that like you hoped eventually that like this will just be what all of the show is like? You you want this is the new right. <laughs> the new product. Like, we're not we're done with ropes because it's a bit of an extreme take on it. But it, you know, if you liken this to the brawl for all, and you look at it from the standpoint of how it's being presented, it's this is like real stuff this is tough this is raw this is cutting edge like who what's so everything else is bullshit but in in here this is the real stuff what is his name who what is who's the dude from the uwfi the the american dude that they built it all around gary albright yeah it is totally just it's gary albright's fucking speech from the beginning of that show like this isn't (laughs) boxing this isn't wrestling this is an mma this is real right exactly so I don't know. Like you said, you know, damn it, you know, you gotta, you gotta, lo- you hate him, but it is something that you're like, well, I'm interested to see what yeah, they're doing, you know. Definitely. But so. we'll see. I mean, I just don't know how long they're gonna let it go. Like, but yeah, so we've got we've got protesters vandalizing the performance center, Montez being poisoned. There's a brawl for all going on in Shane's basement. It's. Mm-hmm. It's a wild, wacky time right now. Still no fans. <laughs> Still no fans whatsoever. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's the current world, I guess. Uh, we got more of the current world later on in the show. If you stick around after the review, uh, if you if want to check so out current desire. wrestling, what? So if you so desire. Yeah, if you so desire, exactly. But that now brings us to the time travel portion of our show today. Our review that was listed on the WWE Network, at least, is having been released October of 1991. So I got four things to get to there. The Four Things Time Capsule. The Four Things Are. All right, Tony, number one. On October 4th, the San Jose Sharks played their first NHL game in franchise history. That was a 4-3 loss to Vancouver. And uh, the native Californian Craig Coxie, Cox scores the club's first goal. While well, Jeff Hackett made an impressive 48 saves, apparently. But, yeah, they lost. Wow. 48 saves. That's nothing compared to <laughs> the 90-some re- saves. Yeah. I put this four things together about three days ago before, yeah, the Columbus Blue Jackets had a six-hour game today just before we got on here to record. Good yeah. grief. Uh, yeah. Also, in, in NHL news during 1991, the Edmonton Oilers, Oilers traded Captain Mark Messier on their team for all five Stanley Cups uh, to the New York Rangers in exchange for Bernie Nichols, Stephen Rice, and Louis DeBrusque. Messier then led the Rangers to a cup two seasons later. That he did. So, you know, very talented guy. But I'm sure at the time, you know, that's probably what had to be done from a team standpoint. You know, it's always yeah. it, you always look bad when you're the franchise that lets those kinds of guys go. But there's usually a lot of circumstances around those kinds of decisions that as history goes on, those parts of the story are kind of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it'll be 10 years or 20 years from now. It's going to be the Packers. Just let Brett Favre walk out the door. <laughs> it's like, well, that was quite a saga actually, but true. Number two, also in the world of wrestling and in a weird, like uh Kevin Bacon, six degrees sort of connection to tonight's show. 
Uh, professional wrestler Rip Oliver was forced to retire after being injured by Demolition Crush, losing excuse me, the NWA Pacific Northwest Heavyweight Championship at the same time. Well, it's not cool, brah. Out there hurting guys, brah. <laughs> yeah. Rip Oliver, is that the dude that like shows up on Twitter every now and again now? No, that's Trip Morgan. <laughs> okay. Trip okay. Oliver, I thought was the uh, the New Zealand guy. I thought he managed the like Jack Victory and whoever else that was oh. at WCW. Nah, I could be wrong. That might be the case. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Either way, yeah. So he had to retire, I guess. Uh, number three, taking a look at the films releasing in American cinemas in the lead up to tonight's show. We start off October fourth with uh, Ricochet. You ever seen Denzel Washington's Ricochet, Tony? No, I haven't. I have not either. Um, it's it, it looked like you know a generic kind of cop movie. It looked okay, uh, but then also releasing that would, that would have been, that would a little bit before he was kind of the made man. I kind of felt like that the way that the the preview is produced. Ah. Also releasing that same weekend, the super made eleven million dollars, and then this film released. I had never heard of it. Have you ever heard of the film? Whore, <laughs> all capital letters. No, that sounds sounds like that probably didn't get a wide release. Uh, it made a million dollars in theaters, so I'm okay. guessing not a huge release. But here is a bit of the, uh, or here is the movie trailer actually. Okay. Do you think what I do is wrong? Have you ever wondered? What's your name? Liz. You want a date? What it would be like. I know what they want. Maybe it's time you found out. Let me be your fantasy. Teresa Russell. I used to love sex. Let me be your fantasy. In a Ken Russell film. Let me be your fantasy. If you're afraid to say it, just see it. See you in church, honey. That's it. They never say the title because they can't say it on television. <laughs> wow. I had never heard of that. That That's something. I mean, did you look at like what the hell is the movie about? It's about a prostitute. I don't know. I don't know. It looked it you know, she it's her and you know, we see a lot of like during that like let me be your fantasy montage there. It's just right. like you know, her taking shirts off and it's very much like striptease the the trailer. <laughs> wow, all right. <laughs> Keep my eyes out for that one. For whore. Uh, yeah, that one came out October 4th. Uh, then October 11th, Ernest Scared Stupid got a theatrical release, oh, made a whole $14 million, and sent him back to VHS land, where he would potentially, probably, I'm guessing, still continue to make plenty of money. It's my favorite Ernest movie by a mile. It's a lot of folks' favorite. I've, I've heard that from a lot of people. Yeah. It's definitely up there. Uh, Frankie How and about, Knuckle sandwich booger lips. <laughs> and then he punches the troll. Nice. Nice. I'm glad you had a, a quote right at the ready there. Uh, I don't even have a quote from my favorite, which was Ernest goes to jail. Uh, Frankie and Johnny. Oh, that's, that's when he plays two versions of himself. That's oh, yeah, great. man. Uh, Frankie and Johnny also released it, made $22 million. I can't remember what it's about, but I'm pretty sure last time we... Stumbled Sounds past boring. it, I described it. Uh, Shattered released some thriller, made $11 million, and then Little Man Tate made $24 million. 
the nineties were just ricochet. You know, all these just one word, like, you know, yeah. destiny or whatever, you know, just different. Like, it's just unmemorable oh, yeah. movie titles, you know. And none of them are super successful. I mean, we've the most oh. we've had is $24 million for Little Man Tate. Uh, the biggest moneymaker, though, is coming up this week, October 18th. It's a documentary film called Antarctica, and it made $66 million. <laughs> well, way to go, Antarctica. <laughs> The movie landscape of 1991 was not strong. And then October 23rd, the day before this film or this VHS tape released, uh, House Party 2 released in theaters and it would go on to make 19 million. And win all the Oscars. <laughs> Number four, taking a look at the musical side of popular culture, the Billboard Hot 100 was topped by Mariah Carey's Emotions, which we've played here on the show. Because so, she's always number one. Yeah, she's always number one. Let's take a look to number two. The band was Natural Selection. The song was Do Anything. So yeah, um, the, <laughs> when I looked it up, the next, the first thing that showed up when you look it up on Google is a Rolling Stone article says uh, the eighteen awesome Prince ripoffs. So ah, that was Natural Selection with Do Anything um, made it to number two. Sense. Apparently, Jesus, Whew. rough year. Seems like it. Yeah. So that brings us now to October 24th of 1991, when children dragged their parents to VHS tape retailers across the nation and made sure to get their day one copy of the phenomenon that was sweeping the nation, WWF Rampage 1991, the tape. Yeah. Yeah, one of the one of the super tapes of the Coliseum video era here. This is before it was the uk rampage here 91 yeah this is just kind of like matches <laughs> right They're like later we decided that we would just associate that with our tour in the uk um yeah this one opens with a golf theme as the uh, open plays the the typical theme that you know from these coliseum video and uh yeah sean mooney welcomes us to a golf course in stanford connecticut so these guys literally walked outside their doors. Yeah. There at Stanford and shot this stuff. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Okerlund show up. And uh, Sean Mooney's hoping to get some lessons here. And uh, they have a laugh at what the brain is wearing as he's, you know, basically dressed like a Looney Tunes character would dress if they were going golfing. So, Dude, it, he's got like these pink what what do you call these kind of pants? Are these like pantaloons? I, like what what? Yeah, you know the kind of pants old timey golfers you see wearing, folks. You know, like very like, wide legs, like right. Yeah, kind of bell bottomish. Yeah, but like a, and then he's in. also he's got a blue like 
pom pom poof glued to right. the top of his golfer hat. It's uh, it's kind of fantastic. Me and Gene though doesn't really have a whole lot of room to talk. He's got his uh, yellow polo with popped collar here in right. 1991. Looking. Well, I'll, I'll say Gene is at least in a very standard, yeah, you know, golfing wear. That's true. <laughs> Whereas Brain is, you know, obviously going for the more cartoonish approach here. Uh, yeah, I love Brain um, is in rare form. Uh, tossing his golf club. Yes. I loved his... be able to show Mooney a thing or two. I loved his golf tips of, you know, you got to keep your arm bent, lean down, and uh, bend right here. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brain clearly clearly doesn't know what he's doing at all uh, throughout the course of this. Yeah. Uh, Mooney would ask Gene what his handicap is, and he would say that it's Bobby. It's his handicap. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's it's me, Gene and Heenan work well together. I'm always oh, in, yeah. entertained whenever these two are interacting. But like you said, it's just so clear that these guys walked out the door of the office and, like, drove down the road to where they probably get lunch every other day and <laughs> <laughs> decided to go for a round of golf with yeah. Mooney and a, a Mike Cable. Right. <laughs> uh, but then Sean Mooney says it's time for our fan favorite match from Joseph Weiss of somewhere in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, so fan favorite here. It's match number one uh, for the Intercontinental Championship. It's Mr. Perfect, the champion, with Coach. We're never going to name him and kind of ignore him for most of the time until we have to discuss him uh, taking on the British Bulldog, David yeah. Smith. And since you brought it up, yeah, Coach is uh, being played by John Tolos, a okay. long-time uh, wrestler, more of a West Coast mainstay. And uh, he was basically, he was brought in, Heenan retired, and Perfect needed a new manager, and so Coach would take on that role <laughs> and uh, Dude. Would, be, would, be, would be with Perfect until basically he ended up taking his extent, you know, long time off due to injuries. Oh, okay. The camera, like, as during the entrance, it is all Coach. We are looking at the oh, yeah. Coach. And the announcers who are being like re-recorded over, I guess, primetime footage or something, because yeah. it's just it's we've got Mooney and Lord Alfred doing the announcing here, um, yeah, and they just aren't talking about it. They're they're no. not saying a word about the coach. They're just talking about Mister Perfect in this match. <laughs> well, that's what's always so odd to me about Coach is that I think he's managing Perfect when he fights Bret Hart okay. in the IC title match. Like he's around for a while, and he's just really never. But the, the cameras here like, so much like are like needed. right on him. Like we're just looking at shots of the coach during this entrance. Yeah, it's just wild it's, to me. Yeah, no, it's odd. Yeah, because he doesn't really get much play, but he's around for a while. Um, yeah, Sean Mooney and Lord Alfred Hayes are on commentary. Um, Mister Perfect just for the fun of it loosens up a turnbuckle pad in the corner while the coach is talking to the ref. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, yeah, it's just they get a shot of him and he's just standing on the middle rope doing it. Um, and then the British Bulldog comes out to a big ovation as you know Davy Boy Smith and his dreadlocks come to the ring. What do you think of the dreadlock bulldog? <coughs> Excuse me, the dreadlock bulldog. Yeah. That's uh, I think that's probably the best look. That's the look that I remember the most. Mm. I'm a big fan of uh, bulldog at like SummerSlam '94. When he's sitting in the crowd and he's got his like brown vest on and he's got yes. his glasses, it was our graphic like, for his the... like wavy his wavy Kurt Russell hair. <laughs> the episode we did on that, we uh, yeah, that's the graphic there with the Kurt Russell hair. 
<laughs> but no, yeah, you're right. Dreadlocks are also a good look. Yeah, so but dog uh, comes in, makes perfect flinch. Yeah, and then he calls and him then, a chicken. Yeah, calls him a chicken, which is really not nice. Uh, he ducks out and has a talk with his coach. I'm sure it was very strategic. Well, like he kept uh, wanting to do the test of strength, and Mr. Perfect is telling us that as his arm is injured, he can't do a test of strength. So Right. Which, I mean, if someone's arms look like the British Bulldogs, you would be dumb to do a test of strength with them in the first place. Exactly. So I don't blame you. Uh, dog with a big shoulder block uh, drops Mr. Perfect. Then we finally get that test of strength, and we hear Perfect call Dog a son of a bitch, which is funny, and Alfred Hayes and Mooney try to cover for a little bit. And uh, Dog then with a crucifix pin gets a two-count. Uh, Perfect comes back with a sunset flip, gets a two-count of his own. Davey would roll Perfect up, but he's too close to the ropes. Uh, then Perfect would hit a low blow on the British Bulldog. So back and forth with these two gentlemen, and Perfect puts an end to all that with a low blow. Yeah. So that reverses the momentum there. Uh, Perfect gains control. We get a Boston Crab, but Davey muscles out of it, just sending Perfect to the floor. Uh, Perfect gets angry at this. He drop kicks Davey to the floor, where Coach begins stomping on our opponent here before being chased off by none other than Bret Hart. Not even the referee. The ref doesn't see it. Here comes Bret Hart, and we're told the one thing he cannot stand is rule breakers. <laughs> so that is why he is out here. Yeah, I don't mess with Brett's family, damn it. I'll have no, no room for that. But Alfred makes a good point. He goes, I don't think Brett has a managerial license, and I don't understand why the referee is allowing him to be out here. And I was like, yeah, no, what the hell is happening here? Of course, I'm sure you know, the man that does have a license is upset that he paid those dues when his other man just gets to come out. The only people that I ever hear talking about managerial licenses are commentators. Commentators, like, yeah, and they're usually the heels, the heel commentators. It's never. I never really ever see it get called out or like made a problem. You know. Yeah, it almost is. It feels like it's just it's a made up thing the announcers talk about. And it's not even real <laughs> yeah. in the world of wrestling. Yeah, uh, perfect. It's the flipping over neck breaker for a two count. Then puts the sleeper hold on the dog. Uh, Bulldog escapes by backing perfect into the corner. Uh, perfect is then racked across the top rope, and Davy Boy bounces it up and down. Uh, Perfect comes back with a drop down, and Davey takes the referee out. <laughs> Clever spot there. Him, man. Yeah. Uh, Davey then, like the idiot baby faces always do, with a small package, but the ref's knocked out. Uh, oh, in comes, comes the coach. The, here comes the clipboard from the coach. He's going to swing it. He's going to swing it. He's going to swing it. Oh, no, Bret Hart gets in there in time. Yeah. And then classic Bret Hart here. Something that he would do again in 1997 to a much to a lot of controversy at Starcade. Um, he makes the three count, but <laughs> yeah. you know it doesn't count because the rules. Yeah, just respect him around here. Yeah, he doesn't like rule breakers except for when, when it's perfect. His, his perfect then to. beats Bret Hart up, and the bell rings. Hart with an atomic drop on the perfect one, followed by a back elbow that would send him out of the ring. But. Mr. Perfect wins by DQ. Yeah. Yep. We're told that, uh, yeah, the Bulldog got DQ'd for outside interference, and your winner and still champion is Mr. Perfect. Yeah. but and then, So then, well, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, Brett just cost Davey that match, and in classic, like, Canadian and just Davey boy fashion, like, you know, sorry, sorry, Davey. I, oh, don't worry about it, Brett. It's okay. <laughs> it's not even a feud. They're just... They're just like, ah, it's fine. No big deal. 
Um, oh. This match, again, unfortunately, like with a lot of these matches, doesn't have much of a finish, but um, no. it was really good action otherwise. So. Yeah, you're not wrong. And that's that has been the, the running theme that we have seen throughout almost every VHS tape that we've watched as far. It's like the, the good stuff comes early. Yep. And it comes fast, and it might not have a good ending, but, like, yeah, it'll be the best action you're going to see. Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll be glad you had this match later. So back to the uh, golf course here where Gene's about to tee off, and Mooney walks in with his wired mic, which just goes all over the course. He has, he yep. has an infinite wire. Well, and, and he's also, like, running hole to hole, which cracks me up. Like, yes. they aren't giving him a ride, so he's always arriving late to these things. Yeah, Gene sends one, and the announcers say, nice shot, and uh, Mooney says, if there's an encounter you want to see, send us a postcard, and uh, we'll... It's like, wait, wait, what? So yeah, apparently you could request things to be on the VHS tapes later via postcard. Well, and if a lot of these are like house show matches and stuff, too, so I mean, it's like, I guess you can just come up with whatever matchup you want to see, and hey... You might get lucky. We have so many of these damn house shows. Those people might have fought at some point. So, oh, so Bobby cannot make contact with the golf ball as we uh, head towards match number two. Unless you have more detailed. Oh, no, he was also holding the club like wrong. Like he had to be, he had to have it turned in his hand completely. So, yes, yeah, that takes us to match number two. It's the Warlord taking on Texas Tornado Kerry Von Eric. Oh boy. And we've got new announcers this time. And I only noticed that because of this very first announcement here during the entrance of Kerry Von Eric, where they explain, oh, that's why he does a spinning punch. Oh, got to turn that up. Oh, it's a lot of torque behind that one. Yeah. Uh, also, unintroduced to my best knowledge, right? Like, he's just talking. Well, I mean, you know, this could have been in the middle of the show, whatever show yeah. this is from. Because from my standpoint, I'm just like, who the f- who is that? <laughs> I was so confused. <laughs> I was like, who is talking? And then oh. eventually, they finally t- they finally introduce him. Yeah, because you could kind of see it like once you knew when I went back to like record some stuff, you could see him yeah. in the background a few times if you're really paying uh, yeah, close attention. True. But that's it. I guess we should also stop beating around the bush. That's Jim yes. the Anvil Nightheart. Yes, Jim the Anvil <laughs> Nightheart is has joined the announce booth yes. for whatever god awful show this is from. <laughs> um, I can't imagine an entire show with uh, the the Anvil on on commentary here because we get a little bit of him here in a few matches here. He's it comes and goes. He's not bad. It's okay. Like, that was a good thing to point out. I didn't know that Kerry Von Erich was right. a world-class... Right. It's, also, it, it, it's, it's hard to be throw. too awful when you're working with the brain and gorilla. So True. But we're told that Kerry is smart, and Heenan says he's from Texas. He can't be smart. Well, he's a Von Erich. He can't be. I mean, that's what I would say. <laughs> they talk up the size of Warlord's legs. As he plays to the crowd on this seemingly house show footage is what I have in my notes. So is this house show? Is this why they talked about a house show just before this? Probably. Probably. I do have to say, though, I love this Warlord. Like, Warlord around this time with his, mm-hmm. like, mask and his 
armor and his like scepter. <laughs> he looks like a fucking Masters of the Universe bad guy or something. Just I love how professional wrestling Warlord is, like in every way. Oh yeah. No, you're not wrong there. You're not wrong <laughs> at all. He just looks like this the prototype. They're just talking about his lifting routine instead of all this like cool gear that he's got on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, the important stuff. But yeah, the match gets underway here. We got a knuckle lock, and uh, Von Erich fights back, but a cheap shot from the warrior keeps him in control. He's just, you know, he's overpowering Kerry Von Erich here. They go back and forth. The whirling punch from Tornado has Warlord rocked, but he doesn't go down. And then he grabs Von Erich into a bear hug. And I was like, oh boy. Welcome back to Coliseum Home Video, folks. The bear hug is back in action. Woo! Uh,. Brain uh, calls Tornado a javelin catcher and discusses how he spent his time in college hanging out with the cheerleaders. Um, on the outside of the ring, Warlord slams Tornado face first into the steel steps. It's like Warlord, Seth, Seth Rollins War- out here. Yeah, I know, right? Warlord then picks him up and ran him into the steel ring post. Uh, Anvil mentions that he's glad he retired too after Gorilla says it. You know, after, after seeing that movie, it was just funny. He's like. Girls like, oh boy, I'm glad I retired. And was like, ha, yeah, me too. That like, oh, you have? Oh, okay. That explains why. Because like Bobby Heenan then talks about like how he wishes Gorilla was still wrestling. That way he right. wouldn't be sitting here with him doing commentary. Right. Yeah, Anvil has apparently retired at this point, which ah. we all know doesn't stick very long. No. Not at uh, all. Tornado with an ugly sunset flip, <laughs> but he of course can't get Aloha Warlord down. Dude, it is an extended Aloha Warlord here. Like, yeah. this, if you're looking for a gift version or something, this is the where you go for it. Exactly. People will think you looped it. Uh, Warlord then backs Tornado into the corner. Uh, Von Eric would collapse under the weight of Warlord and was pinned for a two count. Yeah. Von Eric hits uh, two clotheslines and then the discus punch, but Warlord gets a boot on the ropes to avoid a three count. We then go into a sleeper hold from Kerry Von Erich. Warlord throws himself and Von Erich to the floor in order to escape from this sleeper hold. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I do like that. Uh, they then trade punches outside. The ref, though, a very fast 10 count. Like, they start trading punches, and it's like, ding, 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 the bell. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're <laughs> out of here. Like, ridiculous. Yep. Von Eric says he was back in time, but no, the ref says both men were out. It's a double count out. No winner. I mean, again, like a pretty solid match, like good action between these two guys. Mm-hmm. And a double count, like, gosh, I'm glad. Like, I know people complain on the 50 50 booking, but man, yeah. I will take decisive finishes over this. In 90% of the matches over this BS from the Hogan era, man. Oh, yeah. Yep. God, you just you go back and watch all this stuff, and you you're watching WrestleManias, and you, they're having double countouts and disqualifications, like because you just all these guys took their wins and losses way too seriously. Ugh. And so, the format of this show is going to be that like in between, like after the even match, we're just going to roll right into the next match. So we didn't even shoot enough segments for this show. Nope, not enough segments back at the golf course. There's 18 holes, folks. We shot six segments. Um, we roll straight to the next match, match number three. It's Paul Roma, pretty Paul Roma, taking on Road Warrior Animal. Yeah, Romeo, as they also like to call him. Yeah, yeah, uh, of power and glory fame here, Mr. Roma. 
I told you last week. You said, "Are there any? How many match? How many people are on the show twice?" Yep. And I told you then. I think it looks like only Paul Roma. Yes. So Paul Roma here is on here taking on the Road Warrior Animal. Sean Mooney spoils the coin toss that will be taking place <laughs> before the match starts. Yeah. By telling us what this matchup is going to be, because of power and glory, Paul Roma and Hercules have a coin toss to determine that Paul Roma will be the one, in fact, having the go here. Yes. So, uh, that just cracked me up. Yeah. I'm sure that, yeah, he's, <laughs> Mooney's just like, well, I know that that's what this match is because we've got it in our notes here. <laughs> this match is going to be. Anvil uh, then calls uh, the LOD the Legend of Doom. Which I do think, actually, in retrospect, is a kind of a cool-sounding name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no hawk at all. But Hercules is at ringside. Which Very I thought was weird. True. Yeah. So That's not wrong. Um, the announcers say that both these tag team guys are likely uncomfortable about being in this singles match. Which I suppose is a good, as good a call as any. They're, just, they're likely uncomfortable. They're not... Yeah, Herc, Herc doesn't leave the ring... Roma yeah, like flexes and gets in the face of Animal and then attacks him from behind when uh, Hurt got into the face of of him as well. So, yeah, dirty tactics there. Uh, Animal made him pay, catching a leapfrog and hitting an inverted atomic drop, followed by a clothesline. Big Herc is up on the apron. Animal with a low blow. Uh, Brain says Hercules looks bigger than ever, which it's like. Yeah, and it's not good. Like he's, no. oof. Like OSW has the best like he's, Hercules retrospect thing when they. Oh really? You know, well because he because there was a running joke in the early days of that show because this motherfucker was on like the first, you know, seven WrestleManias and yeah. was on all the paper. Like they just yeah. couldn't believe how many paydays he kept getting. Oh yeah, he's around but for a while. He's a very wide man. Yeah, and you watch him progressively get. You know, worse and worse looking when, as uh, far as like you know the, the drug use and all that. So gotcha. Huh. Yeah, Animal then attempts a tin punch, but Roma ducks him to the outside. I liked that. Uh, Hercules with a, Hercules with a clothesline on the floor. Uh, Roma rammed Animal into the ring apron, and Hercules. I don't know why it cracked me up, but like, I'm sure some little kid or somebody was telling him that he stinks or something. Like you stink. And he just does the who me like very like exaggerated like to the kid in the ringside just cracked me up. Oh goodness! So we get a uh, a backbreaker here back in the ring with a uh, yeah some right hands and then a second and a third backbreaker. I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah, and we get Herc seeing this, being proud of the uh, power being shown by Glory here. <laughs> See, like in. Now, modern WWF, like he, they would just be power and glory. That would be their names. Like there yes. would be no. <laughs> Vince doesn't like to complicate things at all anymore when it comes to names. So, we get a diving axe handle by uh, Mister Glory here, but a suplex after Animal gets back up. Uh, Roma stands up and pile drives or gets pile driven by Animal here, and or no, Animal got pile driven by fucking Roma. That's right. Yeah, was, a really nice pile driver, actually. Yeah, it was impressive, but Animal kicks out into a standing position on the uh, two count there. So, just, you know, using his old Hawk Buddies tactics there. Gorilla says he's impervious to pain right now. We get a series of whip reversals, which sends Roma into the referee, 
And then I love it, that. Like, bring back the double reverse Irish whip. Like, <laughs> there was just, I was just something I loved about like the. I just hadn't. I just you don't see that anymore. Like you know the re- like double reverse into the corner. There is good stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So Animal though with the flying shoulder tackle, and the ref is taken out. Oh no, where are we going here? This is match three. DP, are we getting a finish? What was your well, forecast at this point in the match? Did you think we were going to have our third straight blow off ending? I mean, yeah, at this point, yeah, for sure. That was definitely going through my mind. Because Hercules uh, gets involved. Yeah, he broke broke up a pin when the ref was still down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it. The ref was down. I wasn't supposed to break that one up. <laughs> but PNG double team him. But Ro- we get Romo with drop kicks. Herc instead, though, when Animal escapes, uh, Animal hits the power slam. And so I was just, go ahead. For the pinfall victory. Yeah. I was just so, like a desperate win here for Animal. Like it looked like he was on the ropes here to both these guys, but able to get the win here. So from an action standpoint, not the best so far. But hey, we got a clean, we got ourselves a finish. Very true. It was a very quick finish, but it was a finish. Yeah. Uh, Gorilla calls the guy with the uh, with them the journalist, and I was like, oh, that's Nightheart. That it took me this long to figure out that, that was Jim the Anvil Nightheart. <laughs> I had gotten it a little bit earlier in the match, but it still took a little bit. Uh, back to the golf course with Sean Mooney. Uh, he says it's time for the instruction. And Mean Gene begins explaining the short game to Brain. The chip shot. We've got graphics and everything, folks. <laughs> this is Dwarf on they, golf. Dude, they, yeah, exactly. It is dwarf on golf. But it's like... they. Like, why was this not, like, three of these segments? Like, why is this all in one? Like, it's so much, and we get a lot of it right here. No, like, seriously. They could have got so much mileage out of this. Like, maybe they tried, <laughs> and, like, they just couldn't pull anything out of Gene and Bob. Like, <laughs> like yeah. maybe they just couldn't quite pull enough to make, like, entire segments out of them. Uh, See, so yeah, like you said, it's drive for show, putt for dough, says Gene. As he's got the wedge here. Uh, Heenan tries to use a ball retriever. And, uh, yeah, he's not too happy with that. And then Heenan loses the wedge on the backswing. And then Gene decides to teach us about the sand trap here yep. as this continues. And here's uh, here's some of Gene. As soon as I get my sound pad back. All right, the next important thing in these golf tips, Bobby. Bobby See you in the clubhouse. Hey, what? pay attention. Forget her. <laughs> This is your basic sand shot. We're about 25 to 30 yards from the pin, and it's very important, first of all, to address the ball. Hello, the... ball! No, 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 no. Address the ball with an open stance, and open the club face, because you're going to have to pick this, put a full swing on it, and, of course, finish toward the target. Pick the ball up. No, 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 no. Pick I it know, up I know, the club. I know what you mean. I, I don't want you to misinterpret. Okay, why don't you back off here, and I'm going to give this a try. And, like... <laughs> Did you watch this closely? Uh, not closely, closely. What happened? Gene lines up and uh, takes a big swing, and we cut the camera. We go to a shot from near the hole where the right. ball drops, like right next to the hole. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, I, yeah that that's probably a, a made-up thing, whatever. But then when they cut back, where Bobby Heenan is now like nudging Gene out of the way to then take his chance, you can see Gene's shot 
didn't even make the green and is sitting in the middle of the background. And I was just like, you guys couldn't even like pause for a second and get rid of that thing. That's awesome. I didn't notice that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so, oh goodness. Yeah. They take a second shot here. Like I, yeah, like I explained, Heenan says you didn't do it right. He's, and then he gets up there. He misses the ball three times. He picks it up and throws it at the green. And, uh, Heenan keeps talking to this woman off screen. Yeah. And at this point, he's got his hat on backwards with his, yeah. his sunglasses, which makes me laugh. I, I just love, like, bad boy Bobby Heenan here on the golf course, like, in full <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield mode. Like, that fucking joke when Gene told him to address the ball, and he just fucking goes, hello, ball. Like, I, I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Oh, man. It was good stuff. I liked it. Uh, so Gene and Mooney chat while Heenan... Just like they're getting ready to putt here, and uh, Heenan goes to putt, he hits it way too hard. It just goes flying way off, like he just smokes it. It goes a mile. Uh, he sees they didn't notice as they're talking, and so he grabs a ball of his pocket, he drops it into the hole, and then celebrates like he hit the putt. And uh, Gene is, you know, incredulous. He can't believe the fact that this uh, this actually went in while they weren't looking. Ah, brain tricked him. Gets him. Gets one over on him on this one, so fun stuff there. Yeah, uh, it was good yeah. stuff. Like you said, it's you know hard not to be good stuff when Brain and Gene are involved. But it's also it's it's good stuff from our point of view as thirty year old men, you know, thirty three, right. you know, whatever. But I don't. If I was ten and I rented this, I don't know that I'd be happy about watching these golf segments. No, I mean this wouldn't be your favorite part. You know, like you would just tolerate this part of the video, probably. Yeah, tolerate it so we can get to the next match that doesn't have a finish. Right. Yeah, no, you're not wrong there. If you were a little kid, I could see that. Uh, match number four, it's the tag team match of the month. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah. It's the Mountie, along with the Nasty Boys, managed by Jimmy Hart, taking on the team of the Rockers, along with the Big Boss Man. Yeah. The Rockers, Shawn Michaels, and confessed murderer Marty Jannetty. Well, we didn't yeah, talk that's... about that in the dish this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, what can be said about that other than what oh. you just said? There you go. Michaels is uh, wearing a neon green backwards ball cap. It's uh, got the Rockers label on it, so he's, you know, it's full DX this... mode selling his merch here. Well, this is also like very late Rockers. It felt you know very I mean? much like he wanted to be distinguished to Marty Jannetty. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Like the, the the wheels are coming off the tracks already here. Yeah, because uh, yeah, he makes sure that even though after they take their shirts off, he gets the hat right back on, and it's going to stay on <laughs> at least for the beginning of the match. Yeah, uh, um, Mountie seemed upset about his music being cut off, but I thought it was funny because it's like, well, it's your own teammates' entrance that cut your theme off, so <laughs> not sure what you're mad about. Oh, the nasty boys! Here we go. Oh man, yeah, bad guys are on the floor. Slowly getting into the ring. Uh, Hayes says that Hart is a catalyst. Uh, yeah, Lord Alfred Hayes says that Hart is a catalyst because they have no physical impact, but they impact the final result. Which is, you know, his scientific uh, analogy there I thought was pretty good. <laughs> uh, Mooney says he's just an agitator. Uh, Michaels and the Mountie start. Bossman wants the tag because he don't like the Mountie. And it's like, why wouldn't Sean just go right over and tag him? He takes a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what? 
what do you, we're all friends here. Like, why, you know, why wouldn't you just go give the boss man what he wants? But they take forever. And then, of course, once he tags him in, uh, you know, Mountie tags out. Mm-hmm. And in comes Jerry Sags with a beat down in the corner. Boss man turns the tide with a power slam. Sags gets his knees up on a splash. In comes the Mountie now, of course, and got caught in a leapfrog and was hit with a spine buster from the boss man. Uh, rockers take out the nasties. Nasty boys and Jimmy Hart would huddle up and yell at the camera to get lost. <laughs> Don't want them getting in on the strategy there. Uh, we get an enziguri from the boss man on Brian Knobs. In comes Marty Janetti. It's a second rope bulldog on Knobs. Knobs uh, is down for a two after a sunset flip from Janetti. Michaels with a super kick after Marty had ducked under the legs of Brian Knobs. Michaels delivered then a clothesline on Knobs. In comes the boss man, who hits a big boot as they continue to work over Brian Knobs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they work over Brian Knobs. I, I apologize. My my notes are apparently I, I stopped paying attention when Brian Knobs was selling because I just have here not much happening. Uh, heels <laughs> then get control and start working over boss man. So that's where I, so if you got anything yeah, That's else fine. No, go ahead. So they, yeah, preventing the tag, cutting the ring in half here. They're really working over the boss man here. He's selling a back elbow. Uh, he kicks out at two on a cover. Uh, the heels just beat on him behind the referee even. And then Shawn Michaels finally just has enough. He saves the boss man from being choked, but that leads to just more choking because the referee's looking at Michaels <laughs> as yeah, he's being walked choice. away from the ring. Yeah, it was a bad choice there. Bad choice. <laughs> Uh, in comes the Mountie, and he does. I love his. I'm the Mountie. I enjoy so that. Everyone every then time. boos him immediately. Oh yeah. Uh, boss man with an uppercut, and both men are down. Finally, Shawn Michaels makes the tag, drops Brian Knobs with a super kick, backdrop from Michaels on Knobs. Uh, all three of the bad guys are whipped into one another, you know, kind of cartoonish style. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michaels intercepted the steel helmet. Yes, Jimmy Hart was carrying a steel helmet around with him for some reason. And he hits knobs. Sags and Marty are brawling. And the ref just doesn't count. Like, I don't know yeah. what. It's like, I don't I, It's just kind of this. And then the Mountie has a shock stick. <laughs> the fucking ending is such a mess. And he uses it on Sean. And then the boss man takes him out. <laughs> And then Brian Knobs is still just laying there after the helmet shot the head. And Marty just covers Brian Knobs. Yeah. And gets the win. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. It all felt. It felt like people forgot they were supposed to do things, except the ref remembered. And he was like, no, you guys got more shit you got to do. I'm not counting. (laughs) You're not wrong. It was weird, man. I was just like. It was one of those things where I thought this was an okay match, and then the right. ending, I was like, that, you guys needed to come up with something a little more simple yeah. than this. This, this should have been the match of the night, probably, and instead, <laughs> it is not that at all. And mo- and I'll bet you another thing, too, is like you watch something like this, and this is the kind of match that ends up on a tape like this, because they were hoping that this would probably be good enough to put on TV, Yeah, and then they did it, and they were like, oh, well, never mind, we can't put that on TV. No, and yeah, the Janetti even used like the twin magic there with Sean at the end <laughs> to get the to be the legal man to to pin oh, him. Oh man! But on but, the match number five, no time for golf. 
Yeah, match number five, Smash from Demolition, uh, <laughs> resting on his own, no, no teammates, uh, taking on the Dragon, Ricky yeah. Steamboat, but don't call me Ricky Steamboat, just no. the Dragon, because I've got yeah. the full-on, and I didn't realize how goofy the lizard costume was from the backside. Like, if you just see the front, right. when he's coming at the camera, it looks great, and then they take the back shot, and it's like, what? Is he wearing a pool noodle that he cut, in, like, down the middle? Yes. Um... No, this is this match is kind of a fun like crossroads in two guys' careers because you have Smash, who is not you know like Demolition's dead. <laughs> we haven't come up with the Repo Man yet, ah, so okay. you're just Smash doing nothing until we figure something out for you. And then you have Dragon. Don't call me Ricky Steamboat because this is in Vince McMahon's world. This is not the Ricky Steamboat that beat the Macho Man at WrestleMania three and is a former Intercontinental Champion and yeah. has well, a history of the company. The- was the NWA Champion just over a little over a year ago after the great matches with Ric Flair, like top of his game. Yeah, and then Vince brings him back in and just puts his foot on him, but from the go, the way the announcers talk, he's doing well. But it's just right. that he doesn't. There, you know, he doesn't have that history. They're just talking about but what he he's is, been doing recently. He is a destined for the mid card. Like this is it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. There's no world Vin- title aspirations in this guy's career in this company. He's still a live show draw, though. Like, I, yeah. like the fans still love this whole thing. They love the fire breathing. And they love oh, the matches. Yeah. They're always the matches are still decent usually. But like you Do said, you think- it's not going to get. Right. Main event. Do you think there was some kind of a major malfunction with the fire thing or something? Because I, there was a really long cutaway to the crowd. I just, for some reason, it seemed like they didn't want us to see him drinking the al- ah. like the alcohol stuff or whatever they're shooting. You know, he's spitting. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah, the drag the dragon spits that stuff. Uh, then we get the match underway. Here we get a lockup to start the match. Smash takes early advantage with right-hand shots to the left arm of the dragon. And it's like, where are you punching the arm? Uh, and then Heenan says, this is the biggest opponent the dragon has ever faced. <laughs> and I just started cracking up laughing. I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, dragon counters and gets wrist control, working over the arm and the right back. Uh, Gorilla then says that there's a saying that a good little man never beat a good big man. And I was like, that seems rude, but okay. Yeah, <clears throat> that sounds like the logic of this company. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Dragon backdrops Smash to the floor and then continues to outquick Smash and gets an armbar. Armbar. Uh, yeah, Smash, of course, works out of that. Dragon would float out of trouble and delivers a scoop slam followed by an arm drag. Uh, Smash used the wrong leg on an inverted atomic drop. Which made me laugh. Uh, Smash with a choke slam of sorts. And then just choked the dragon on the mat. Yeah. Um, he's in control for quite a while, sending Ricky into the steel ring post and slamming him on the outside. Uh, dragon is slingshot into the ring from the apron. Uh, full control here. Backbreaker from Smash. Then a chin lock. <laughs> the backbreaker. So drag it out. The backbreaker was terrible. And, oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, even Gorilla Monsoon had to, had to point it out that it was bad. Well, Bobby, this kind nope, of. Wrong one. Where'd it go? All right, the next one. Oh, there it is. 
Big backbreaker right there. Uh, that wasn't exactly a hitman-type backbreaker, Ambo. No, it wasn't. There wasn't that excellence of execution there that we're used to seeing. How much does he pay you to sing the praises of him all the time? Who, the hitman? Yes. You know how long he's been here in the World Wrestling Fan? I just love that that was his excuse. You know how long he's been here? Of course I'm going to be talking about the Hitman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so ugly stuff there. Uh, Dragon fires up, works to his feet out of a sleeper. Chops. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uses the chops. He escapes and kicks Smash. Dragon with a drop kick. Smash rolls all the way to the floor. Ricky hits a cross body to the outside, which was kind of cool. And then rolls Smash back into the ring. Uh, though the former demolition member suplexes Dragon from the apron into the ring and covers for two. Smash, though, misses the Dragon in the corner and goes down. Ricky off the top with the high crossbody for the win. One, two, three, your winner, the Dragon. Yeah. And the fans applaud the win. They show the final move in the replay as Neidhart slowly explains what happened. And then Mooney sends us straight to the next match. Instead of heading back to the golf course. Yeah, this is three matches in a row now. Oh, goodness. Which one is this? Is this match? Six. Match number six. The Barbarian, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan, taking on Jake the Snake Roberts. You get all the fun characters in your matches. The Barbarian and the Warlord. (laughs) Yeah, I like the powers of pain. What can I say? Uh, So, yeah. Uh, we've got these two guys taking these guys on, and I love that Heenan here is at ringside. Uh, and so this time, Mooney and Alfred are back on the mic. Uh, the yeah. fans are losing it for Jake. His music oh, is man. just so damn good, man. Like oh, I love that I, shit. It's so. I feel like his entrances. There's always something like you never get like just the full effect. And this was a solid, just like just his music's playing. There's not some other BS mm-hmm. going on, and you get to hear like you know the full effect of it all. And yeah, it is one of the best entrances of all time. Absolutely and awesome. Damien has, has been thrown away. We're f- well, fuck Damien. We're done with Damien. We've got Lucifer now. Well, Damien was turned into hamburger meat. <laughs> Earthquake sat on Damien. Oh, okay, I forgot about the murder of Damien. Okay. Yeah, Damien's been murdered, and now he has Lucifer. Yes, so. which is a bigger python, apparently. Yeah, more to come on that later. Yes. Uh... But yeah, so after some back and forth, the Barbarian powders, and he gets some advice from Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan's going to take this opportunity to speak to his man. Now listen, I, I'm sure it didn't amount to anything, but I'm going to be completely honest with you. Bobby the Brain Heenan has every right to go slap Sean Mooney across the face <laughs> for basically, you know what I mean? Like calling him out as like a joke of a manager right there. Because like he's not commentary Bobby at that point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's top heel manager in the company, Bobby Heenan. He's just laughing off his advice like that. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It was just a little... I just thought it was funny. You just... <laughs> Absolutely. Don't get in the DDT and you don't yeah. lose the match. Yeah, so these guys, yeah, they don't do much of anything at all. They feel each other out. 
Brain tells Barbie to stay away from the DDT. Uh, Jake would get out of the ring and ran the shoulder of Barbarian into the ring post and then brings him back inside. I love back that. Body. Oh, yes. I love that Alfred is worried that, you know, he's, they're worried that they're just they're wrestling too defensively. Like, he's just like, <laughs> I can't, he's too, you know, he's too pensive. Alfred's a true analysis man. He's got the <laughs> breakdown on things, man. He's got some real interesting insight. Uh, Barbarian counters the DDT with a back body drop and then whips the snake into the corner where Brain would distract the referee while the Barbarian would choke Roberts. So, son of a bitch. Yeah. So, Barbarian sends Jake into the ropes, and he gets tied up. And uh, Barbarian ignores this and doesn't take advantage of him being tied up. And then Jake gets out and DDTs him out of nowhere. (laughs) Like, Barbarian was distracted by Bobby. Like, I don't know what the (laughs) hell happened there. Like... Didn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, goodness. Yeah. But then, but, but then still, still in this era, we can't just have Jake roll over and pin the Barbarian for the win. No nope. Barbarian. The Barbarian won't <laughs> lose clean to Jake the Snake Roberts, arguably, yeah. I would say, top three maybe of the most wildly popular stars in this Dude, company. We've, we've not gotten to see Jake like beat very many people. Like every oh, time Jake wrestles. Fucking in these kinds of situations. Yeah, exactly. But here comes instead of Bret Hart, we've got Earthquake. He's Ooh. coming out here. Which uh. this is such a strange situation because yeah, he's feuding with Jake. But it's odd to see someone who's not managed by Bobby Heenan coming out to to help. He's not. I remember. I remember. The, I'm almost positive he would have been with Jimmy Hart at this point. I could be wrong. I don't remember Earthquake oh. ever being in the Heenan family. Okay. So, yeah, he comes down and Jake tries to get defensive with this. He grabs Damien to use the Lucifer. snake. Or yeah, he grabs Lucifer to <laughs> run Earthquake off. Um. And so as he's running after him, people are like reaching out to touch the snake the same way they do like wrestlers and stuff. And I was like, guys, this is a live animal. Uh, Jake gets counted out by the ref. Surprise, surprise. And the barbarian uh, wins. Barbie wins. So there you go. Jake and the snake get back in the ring after the announcement. And uh, Barbarian and Heenan just get the hell out of there. Yeah, it's pretty uneventful. Jake raises the snake over his head. It looks like it's really fucking heavy. <laughs> it's like, imagine if he'd have won and then did that. Oh, Wouldn't yeah. that have been fun? That would have been pretty cool. But, but nope. To the, yes. Good. To the golf course. Gene and Bobby are cruising around looking for Brain's ball, apparently. Uh, Bobby just tosses his trash on the ground as he gets out of the golf cart. <clears throat> Which, again, just his brazenness cracks me up. Uh, Gene would go into the thick to find the ball of Bobby and then Brain would just remove a golf ball from underneath his hat and toss it down the fairway and say, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, Gene is... Because Moody walked up like in the middle of this. Yeah. And uh, Gene comes out of the, the weeds and he's like, what? I could have sworn that it was it was over here. Like, he's, he's not too happy with these... Uh, these yeah. sudden changes in ball location. <laughs> right. No, so funny stuff there. And then, boy, a main event in any building 
a match that I know you have dreamed about the opportunity to call. Jeez. It's match number seven. Well, we're told this is a video exclusive from London, oh. England. Oh, man. Lucky us. It's match number seven. It is none other than one of my favorites, Haku, yeah. taking on one of my least favorites, fucking melted candle, Greg the Hammer Valentine. Elementary school lunch lady, Greg the Hammer Valentine. <laughs> I have not found anything that Greg the Hammer Valentine has done that I think I've liked. So, the dog collar match with Piper. Okay, there you go. Remember, that that one, was a match. I'll that give you good. that then. There you go. There's and his, I think and I think bone. things that he did before that that we've never watched. <laughs> well, <laughs> fine. I'm just I'm just ca- talking about my experience no, with right. Greg the Hammer. Maybe it's been a bad experience. There might be great stuff out there. But in my no, experience, yeah. it's not been fun, and so I don't have necessarily a great thing whenever I see his name pop up. No, in 1991, Greg Valentine, that's even more understandable. Um, but Haku oh is such a heel that a- like people are throwing shit at him as he comes to the ring. <laughs> right. That's how much people dislike him. <laughs> but oh boy, DP, we got ourselves a treat. Don't you know, it's Rowdy Roddy Piper, Dude, he and he's on commentary with Vince. Sounds drunk. I don't know if he Dude. is. He sounds it here. He's either drunk or completely uninterested. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's not good. He says the hammer is going to try to slow this down and keep it at his pace. Uh, the two trade some chops, and Haku, with a kick, gets control, of course, because... In striking exchange, you would think he would have to get the upper hand over Greg the Hammer Valentine here. And Piper says he has high feet. I don't know what that means, but no that that's apparently a very good compliment when you're talking about kicking. Yeah, no one knows. But Piper just says things. Um, yeah, when these guys are going, it's not too bad. They just, you know, don't go for long. Um, lock up. We had a long, long talk about no shoes versus shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get down there and just say, uh, yeah, just before that, they lock up. Haku gets a boot up in the corner to a charging Valentine. Haku then with a with back-to-back backbreakers. <laughs> Who knew, like, multiple backbreakers was such a common hold in 1991? I wonder if that's, like, the, uh, whoever does, like, the editing thing, I wonder if there's just, like, some, like, big nerd guy that's just, like, we're going to put together a tape, and it's going <laughs> to feature multiple backbreaker spots in every match. All of them. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, Vincent Fiber then begin discussing barefoot wrestling. Which do they bring Snuka up? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. McMahon can't believe this man wrestles barefoot, and Piper's like a bunch of people wrestle barefoot, and he goes name somebody, and he's like blah 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 Jimmy Superfly Snuka, and Vince keys off on Superfly Snuka. He stopped. He stopped wearing. Sh- he he got shoes now. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I told him to go get shoes or he can't wrestle anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord. okay. Uh, we get a camel clutch, I think, by Haku on Valentine's Steiner recliner or some sort of Yeah, like, we got a lot of camel clutching going on for like the next five minutes of this match. I just have a minute. Just tap out. Like, this match right. should end. Uh, Valentine tries to get the crowd to cheer him out of the move, and they barely react. Finally, right. they begin to make noise. He gets to his knees. And I had to laugh because it was a hope spot as Haku yep. just stops him and 
<laughs> they lock on another hold and they lose the trust of the crowd for the rest <laughs> of the match. They refuse right. to get behind anything else Greg Valentine does because he's going to try to do the second, like, really get him going part. Yep. And there's nothing for him. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> no, Greg eventually, despite the crowd's lack of interest, gets back to his feet. A cuckoo again, though, would take him down with a back suplex for a two. Uh, Valentine with a back elbow. Haku, though, then avoids an elbow drop. Valentine, though, drops Haku with a flurry of punches. Valentine with a low blow and then attempted a figure four. Haku, like, hit him in the Adam's apple. Did you catch this, like, weird little blip here? Like, it looked like he just kind of, like, struck him in the throat or something. Oh, um, for the counter of the figure four? Yeah. I didn't put in my notes how he countered it. I just have that he countered it. I don't remember specifically. <laughs> it, looked, it looked like he like, hit him in the throat. I don't know. Uh, Valentine, though, isn't down for long. Uh, he wins the match with a sunset flip somehow. Dude. <laughs> my my notes devolve. Like It's just like we have missed elbow with Haku strikes. Valentine headbutt to the nuts. Haku counters the figure four. Piper says yeah. if you don't quit or get to the ropes in Valentine's figure four, you'll lose a leg. And then yes. I just have here, wow, what a shit finish. Valentine just gets a sunset flip and we win. It's like, <laughs> at least with the animal one, it was a desperate finish that made it quick. Right. This one's just like Valentine just randomly pulls it out. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was something. <laughs> oh, I just have here, back to golf. Nope, it's a fake out. Back yep. More matches. Yep, just, ba- just straight to match number eight. It's power and glory along with their manager, Slick, taking on the Orient Express. Does Slick only have a contract for tag matches? I don't know, for the most part. Um, They're taking on the Orient Express, along with Mr. Fuji. So it's a heel versus heel (laughs) tag team match. Oh, yeah. You know those house house shows love those heel versus heel matches that they love to subject them to. (laughs) It's like, you guys literally had like a hundred tag teams at this point in time. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to have these two heel teams fight each other. Oh, goodness. Sean Mooney calls this two of the best tag teams in the WWF. And I, was like, I don't know about that. It's like an <laughs> Orient Express. Uh, right. Yeah, Kato and Tanaka. Is it Kato the one that's just like some white dude in a mask? Yeah, it's Paul Diamond. Okay. And then we've got Hercules and Paul Ramon Slick. Yeah, so... Uh, they call Orient Express devious and skillful, which, of course, feels painfully racist here in 2020. Yeah. Uh, Alfred corrects himself from calling any man small, saying he's sorry to the lesser stature of each team. <laughs> oh, that's nice of him. Um, Hercules and Cato start. Hercules would shove him down to the mat after a lockup, showing his superior strength. Uh, Kato, though, backs Herc into the corner and gives a clean break before taking a cheap shot. So if there was any hope for someone, ex- you know, establishing themselves as baby faces here, that's not happening. Um, in comes Pat Tanaka, and they double-team Hercules in the corner. Yeah. Roma and Tanaka work together, work together well, is what I want oh, yeah. to point out uh, when they're in there together. I just thought they had a good good chemistry here. Yeah, um, two good workers. Definitely. We get a Roma with a clothesline that turns Tanaka inside out, then a scoop slam, a diving elbow, but Tanaka breaks up the pin. Uh, heels tag illegally, 
And uh, we get a back elbow drop from, uh, or back elbow, just a back elbow, not a drop, but from Kato. <laughs> no, no fallen. Uh, Fuji would trip Paul Roma as he was running the ropes. Son of a bitch. We then get a double team clothesline from the devious Orient Express that gets a two count. In comes Kato, and they deliver a double team leapfrog backbreaker. Kind of world's greatest tag team style there, but Roma <laughs> got his foot on the ropes. More backbreakers and matches. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Roma flipped over a double team clothesline attempt, and Power and Glory are both in beating up the Express. <laughs> I just, the ref just loses complete control. Yeah. Like, it's just a brawl. These guys just start doing what they want. This match wasn't bad, though. Uh, Roma yeah. with a big drop kick for a two. Double team stomp from Power and Glory. Kato uh, with a sunset flip and an assist from Tanaka, but that count was broken up. And then Slick. In retaliation for Fuji's transgressions. Oh, of course, yeah. Low, low bridges and pulls down the top rope. When Kato was whipped his direction, all four men fight outside the ring. Oh, no. I just love... Oh, yeah. The, in, in, we, oh, double count out. Okay, sorry. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off there. Go ahead. No, just double count out. <laughs> that's, that's the yeah. ending we get. Referring's the bell. No one, no one wins. Um, it just cracks me up now that like it seems like at the end there... You know, you've got two heel teams, and the default then becomes the non-Asian guys are the good guys because, mm-hmm. like, we get Slick is is justified in his retaliation here <laughs> of, of cheating. Well, you know, but I guess it's it, difficult when that's kind of just the way that tag matches work. Eye for an eye, you know, that's that's the way they roll. <sighs> but I just have matches that like seem to have a little bit of promise and then go yeah. bad, and then they just lead to bad finishes. I was like, I thought Global Warfare 93 was bad. This tape might have some competition here as far as the <laughs> matches go. Um, we go back to golfing now, and uh, Gene is explaining a dog leg, saying this might be a little bit tricky here, Bobby. And uh, But the ball almost hits them, just comes in out of nowhere, and Heenan yeah. picks it up, and Gene's like, put that back! Don't don't pick that up there! And <laughs> Oh, goodness, we get this back and forth. Bobby, this is kind of tricky. This is a dog leg right. You actually have Whoa. to go. Hey, good. Man, where'd that come from? Boy, We're seeing as much action on the golf courses that we've seen on the hey, ring here. Hey, 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 hey. 91. Put that back don't down. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Go, go, go ahead. You're not supposed to pick that up. It's a range ball. Go ahead. It's not a range ball. Shh, go ahead. What were you saying now? Well, anyway, this. It's not a range ball. <laughs> and the guy who hit that ball does, in fact, come and hmm? confront them about that. Yep. You guys and... see a ball around here? Bobby just points him in the wrong direction. Yeah. Gene's just like, you stole that man's ball. And Heenan says, no, the rules are if you don't hit it straight, you lose your ball. <laughs> and uh, which, is, which is also great. Then we just take this weird turn where we throw to MTV Cribs Paul Bearer edition. At home with Paul Bearer. What? Who came up with this idea, and why did they just... I mean, I guess this this tape came out in October, so we have to have something spooky. I guess. The other problem is, like, there's an entire Coliseum tape that is, like, hosted by Paul Bear. Is this so just wh- clips from that? I don't know if this is, like, from the cutting room floor, or... Wh- I just know. I haven't watched it, but I know that okay. there's one that it's on there that's hosted exclusively by Paul Bear. It seems like it would have been a perfect place to put an at-home with Paul Bearer segment, but I don't know. It might be the case. Uh, yeah, we get a daytime shot that's been darkened to look like night terribly. 
God. They didn't even make it spooky. No. Like, that was the thing. It's like, you guys didn't take any time or effort to light this house or to do anything to create an atmosphere. Like, no. it's just really kind of lazy, haunted house kind of stuff. So we zoom in, and inside, next to a crackling fire, which has filled... Someone didn't open the fucking chimney. It is filling the house with smoke. Like, this house <laughs> looks like it's about to burn down. Yep. And, um... Is Paul Bearer, as well as a dead body in a casket. Yeah, as literally. He's, he's talking about how he sometimes brings his job home. Um, yeah, he says the parlor gets crowded, and sometimes he has to bring his work home on the weekends. Uh, he says his home is a very private place. That it, This is an exclusive look into it, uh, just for you people on Coliseum Home Video. My home is a very, very private place, and this is a special treat just for all of you, all my friends watching Coliseum video. Oh, my home's been in my family for years. Oh, I love my beautiful... Oh, excuse me, I forgot to tidy up. Oh, pardon me. So what you heard at the end there is, as he's talking, uh, an an arm of a corpse, yeah, falls out of a uh, like a closet, and so he has to tuck it back in and shut the door. Yeah. So Paul Barris just got dead bodies around here, and like that's <clears throat> nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And now, what's this, he's going? Where did this throne come from? Is this from like a storyline that Paul Bear and like Undertaker like stole the king's throne or something? <laughs> I don't think so. He's, just, he's got a throne in the middle of the room that he likes to sit in. He talks about how I can just sit in this chair. And... <laughs> it probably was just there and they used it. Um, he loves. He says his home sits in a lovely memorial park, which of course is a cemetery. Um, he then fixes himself a Bloody Mary or John or Jane. My favorite drink. Oh, yes. I think I'll fix myself a Bloody Mary. Oh, it's so yes, breathy. a Bloody Mary, one of my all-time favorites. But maybe we'll have a Bloody Jane, or a Bloody Cindy, or maybe even a Bloody Tom. No, I think I'll just have a Bloody Mary. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know why I brought those up. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, he has uh, you know blood bags. It seems more like that he's using for these bloody marys. Um, he then just goes into f- as many cliches as possible. Shows us the urn sitting above the fireplace, and then he's got Liberace's hand and his favorite book, Death of a Salesman, and a whole number of a dead potted plant, an eight yeah. by ten of Undertaker in a in a frame, and yeah. then we get poor George's skull. George. What a shame he didn't see that bus coming over the hill. Oh, poor George. Before I forget, there's one more thing that I'd like to show you. And he tells us, you know, while other kids in school are making birdhouses, he made something different. And he reveals a guillotine. (laughs) He loves the sound of the blade falling. Oh, goodness. And now to the dead child that's in the room. Um, he says yeah. he has an early appointment in the morning. And then Bear says, all right, goodbye. It's like, this has been MTV Cribs. We we went through one room. We had ten props that we set up in this one room. 
and we looked at them. It's very smoky. Now goodbye. It was something. Like it just felt like something that they didn't use before. They're like, ah, let's just throw that on there. Probably. It's what we're finding with a lot of these random segments on these Coliseum videos. It's like, where did like how did they what did they produce this for? Right. But that yeah. takes us to our main event. It's match number nine. Oh, man. Match number nine. The one that if, if you were at the rental store and you looked at the back, this would be the match that would be like, oh, well, then this is what I want to see. Um, oh, yeah. It's the Undertaker battling the Ultimate Warrior. That's right. The two cosmic forces in the WWF are going to clash the, the power of the Warriors versus, you know, the power of the undead and Satan. What if I told you this was my lowest-rated match on the show? <laughs> it's not good. It's not good at all. But, it, but name power is fantastic. Oh, I mean, yeah, entrances, the, yeah. you've got a fast yeah. entrance and a slow entrance. Yeah. No, it's got everything until the bell rings. Yes. Sean Mooney and Lord Alfred Hayes once again on the announced team, so it's always curious, like, what what was said on the original one that they couldn't just give us the original audio. Right. Alfred says, Taker has done a great job creating an aura that intimidates his opponents. And uh, this is Grey Glove Undertaker at this time. As mm-hmm. Paul Bearer makes the ref hold the urn while he uh, helps Undertaker undress. Including when you rele- you're, he removes the thing that like hangs around his neck by just like jerking it. You just grab it and pull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just comes right off. Yeah, Mooney also would ask if the Undertaker sleeps in a coffin... And says that he never blinks. So, yeah. Way to go, Mooney. Um, the Warrior is the opposite of The Undertaker as far as entrances go. <laughs> and uh, would run straight to the ring and just attacks The Undertaker right away. Mm-hmm. And we have, and we go into Warrior mode here. You close line in the corner and a close line that sends The Taker uh, tumbling over the top, though landing on his feet on the floor. Yeah. And uh, Warrior would then punch the Taker off the apron before he could get back inside. Uh, Taker, though, stuns the Warrior down across the top rope and then gets on the apron and grabs the neck of the Warrior. And he just kind of does that for a while. (laughs) Dude, they stand here for so long (laughs) with him just goozling the Warrior and then also, like, reaching towards the urn and looking back and forth. And it's just like they really, really wanted to get over the fact that like this is how the taker gets his powers is from this urn. But what were they doing? Why do we stand here for like Dude, two minutes? This is awful. Oh. Paul just screams, rest in peace, ultimate warrior. Warrior and, goes uh, down to a knee at one point. Yeah. Well, the crowd isn't even really cheering for the warrior to get up. <laughs> Not he begins really. to work to his feet and then brawls the Taker. Taker hits the famous flying clothesline. And Warrior, though, would roll out of the way of an elbow drop. Warrior fires up, delivers a slam, followed by three clotheslines to the Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker, though, with an uppercut, puts an end to the f- uh, flurry. Taker then hits a tombstone, but only gets a two. Yeah. The warrior kicked out of the tombstone. Well, he takes his time to cover. Yes. And, like, instead looks at the urn 
and mm-hmm. and bearer and then covers but warrior kicks out so i kind of expected the kick out as soon as he took that long yep warrior but- shakes the ropes ah, he's, yeah. he's got the power r- rushing through his veins undertaker cracks him with the urn and gets dq'd in the bell rings yep fun <laughs> what a fun ending to this match mooney says the ref didn't see it and it seems like everyone's confused Bear gets in the ring and unrolls a body bag for the Ultimate Warrior, and Alfred says, I think the warrior submitted. <laughs> and Mooney's like, no, that's ridiculous. And uh, Bear backs down the ref as they put the warrior into a body bag as Mooney tells us how airtight body bags notorious are. You know, you only have to submit a specific amount of oxygen in there. You can't let the bodies get any extra air. Right. Um, yeah, they zip it up, but the warrior's hands begin trembling, and he fires up out of the fucking body bag. Yeah. Does the post-match factor into your, your rating earlier, or did you cut off the rating after the, the bell? No, no. After the bell rings, nothing else counts, so. <laughs> Are you this a fan of made this? would have it worse, anyway. Okay, I was curious if this makes it any better or not. No, because he should have. I they should have found a way to gimmick this thing. Like he needed to be put in the body bag. Yeah, you know, like instead you kind of end up making the Undertaker look like a punk. Yeah, he clotheslines Taker to the floor, and Bear just like says, "No, this is we're done here," and like grabs his hair, makes his eyes look at the urn, and uh, drags him away. Yeah, and Mooney tells us what an incredible match we just witnessed. Like <laughs> you lie through your fucking teeth. Uh, winner as the result of the DQ, the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. And Mooney wow. says, I'm sure that's little consolation for Warrior as he looks very happy as he celebrates in the ring. Ah, so that was unfortunate. But we go to Mooney at the golf course, and he's wrapping things up, and here comes the course ranger, which I'm not sure that's a thing. What but, is a course ranger? I don't think it's a thing. It could be, but I'm not aware of it. Yeah. Apparently, apparently in their world, it's a person who comes to collect your fees if you didn't pay to play. I, yeah, I mean, I guess that there there probably is like you know an employee of the park that would come. Right. I just I didn't. There maybe there was like an official term for that at some point. Like, yeah, yeah. The course I ranger. Could be it. He didn't forgot to pay the green fees or he said yeah because Gene goes you told me you were a member and he says no I said I knew a member. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. they hop in the cart and they run away. Well, no, Brain leaves them. Yeah, Brain hops in the car, excuse me. And uh, Gene and the security guard give chase. Yeah, yeah, because they tell us that when the ranger was coming over, he he kept waving at them. So then they get in the cart, and they start driving away, and the ranger just keeps waving as they drive. Like, that hasn't stopped him before. Why would that stop him now? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, Sean Mooney says, that's it. Good night. Yeah. And uh yeah, I, I I was not a big fan of this one uh, comparative to a lot of the other uh videos from Coliseum Home Video that we have watched. No, yeah, you're right. No, this one it has uh you know, the matches with that with the most potential tend to have bad finishes and yeah. And then other things that look good on paper don't quite measure up. So yeah, no, it's uh Cribs- not one of not, not one of the best the the half-assed cribs with Paul Bearer is like dragging my my rating up here yeah. uh, comparatively to some of these finishes here. 
Oh, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, at least, yeah, it was interesting, if nothing else. So, Tony, you, you said you've got some ratings on matches here. I apologize. Yeah. I don't have anyone else to compare them to. That's uh, okay. But we can kind of run through those here. Let me go uh, catch up here as far as being able to have a list of the matches here. So, as far as that goes, we got match number one. So, hold on. Oh, damn it. Match number one Go was ahead. the uh, yeah. Intercontinental title match with Mr. Perfect and the British Bulldog. Uh, solid action. Really good stuff between these two guys. Of course, it ended in a disqualification, but I still gave it two and a half stars. All right. Two and a half. Okay. Uh, I'm just curious on the baseline here of, of this uh, these ratings here. So we got match two then, the Warlord versus the Texas Tornado. Another match that was really solid, back and forth, good big man action here. Uh, that wood is on its way to probably a better rating than it got after the double count out. I gave it one star. Oh, that double fucking count out! Yeah, one star yeah. for deservedly so. Match number three, Pretty Paul Roma Romeo, Mister Glory taking on the Road Warrior Animal. It wasn't a complete. You know, awful match. Uh, so I gave it a quarter of a star. Okay. <laughs> match four, six-man tag match. Match of the month. It's the Mountie and Jerry Sags and Brian Knobs versus Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, and Big Boss Man. A match that should have been so much better. Yeah. Had the potential to be the match of the night. Had the wild weird ending i gave it one star i hated the ending so much it was so yeah. over fucking booked oh goodness match five smash from demolition versus the dragon not great on paper but a solid match between two very good workers one mm-hmm. all-time great worker i gave this two stars all right that's fair match six Barbie, the Barbarian, battles Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, Not a very good match. Not deserving of a zero, so I gave it a quarter star. Seems fair, yeah. The the walk away with the snake is not a yeah. great finish to the match. No. <laughs> no. Match- All these matches would have been greatly improved in their ratings if they had just had finishes. <laughs> There's just, you know, somebody pinfall or a submission right. of some form. Match number seven, Haku versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. We got a pinfall in this one. I Again, yeah, exactly, which is why it gets half a star. Like, that, <laughs> you know, when, if you just at least have a normal match and there's an ending that has, involves a pin or submission, you know, it's hard to get much worse than half a star. Match eight is a tag team match. Our second appearance of Paul Roma. He's teaming up with Hercules versus Kato and Tanaka. Solid action back and forth here. Four guys that are actually pretty good workers. Again, a match that was on its way to maybe pulling in a decent rating, but double count out, so I gave it one and a half stars. Sounds fair. Uh, And then we have our next match here, match nine, The Undertaker, The Ultimate Warrior. You've already spoiled that it's going to be your lowest. I'm curious how low is low. This is like the limbo game. How low can you go? Zero stars. Zero stars is totally fair. This match is not good at all. He just choked him. I want, uh, yeah, the if it wasn't time. for the fact that the gif would just be huge. It's like, I just want like just a video of just that, like, stand and 
and stand and hold the man's chin move. They just they just don't do anything. And it's one of those like uh feuds that was destined to fail. Like you can't have the guy that depends on being able to just like steamroll yes. his opponents fight the guy who literally has to no sell everything. Yep. <laughs> like it is not not a good idea. No siree. Not a good idea whatsoever. So yeah, so that's our review, I guess, of uh of Rampage nineteen ninety one. They definitely improved Rampage as the name went on in, mm-hmm. in that term. Because there was a lot better matches still to come on some of the Rampage tapes in the future, but not here in nineteen ninety one. It is not to be. Mm-hmm. And no. golf, really, you're gonna give these kids golf. Like we're we're watching golf here, guys. It's- one of the more fun things about the Coliseum videos is just going through and seeing the rate, like the weird random stuff they did for a lot of these different tapes. Oh yeah. Especially now after, now after hearing, you know, Pritchard and so many talk about like how it was just like, look, man, we found whatever we like, Hey, I yeah. got access to this old Western building. Okay. We can, we can turn yeah. a bit of tape out of that. We'll figure something out. Oh, so. this time they were like, Oh yeah, there's a golf course down the road. Yeah. So, so I mean, there. Rampage ninety one's got some Hulkamania, you know, nostalgia fun. Without any fans. Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah, for fans of a certain age out there, that it will have you know fond memories of some of these individuals and you know the. I don't know if the, you can call it Hulkamania without Paul Orndorff or Hulk Hogan on the card. Well, I mean, it's still nineteen ninety one. Things are just getting a little bit dicey at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I you know it has its. Nostalgic fun if you're a fan of a certain age that you know certainly looks back fondly on this time. The back and forth with Gene and Bobby is a lot of fun, um, but overall, it's you know disappointing non finishes to almost all the matches. Absolutely. So yeah, not a not in the top of my Coliseum home video rankings. If you want to check out some better ones, uh, definitely do so. But now, Tony, we got to figure out where we're going next week. We've got another show to do and it is you know it's it's summer it's it's party season i don't know if you know that uh even Uh with covid19 it's party season so it's time to go to the biggest party of the summer baby yeah it is summer slam summer slam and uh i don't know if they're using the term biggest party of the summer yet uh because we're going to the second ever summer slam from 1989 yeah summer slam 1989 i don't believe they're calling it the it was just called feel the heat was the uh, the catchphrase? It's summertime, the there, so, so feel the heat. There you go. Generic. But yeah, it is uh, quite an honor here because this is also uh, we've got Zeus involved here, folks. Yes. Um, but a show that I'm looking forward to watching. You've got the Brain Busters and the Heart Foundation, Dusty Rhodes and the Honky Tonk Man, uh, Mr. Perfect and the Red Rooster. We get a six man with the Rougeos and Rick Martel taking on the Rockers and Tito Santana. That's what I was. Yeah, it is stacked. Like this is a stacked card. Like there's a lot of good wrestlers on this show. Yeah, Ultimate Warrior and Rick Rude for the Intercontinental Title. (laughs) Ultimate Warrior doesn't doesn't fall into my list of good wrestlers, but yeah, in a 16 minute match, Demolition (laughs) and and Hacksaw Jim Duggan taking on Andre the Giant and the Twin Towers. We've got Greg Valentine and Hercules in the same match, for God's sakes. I regret now that I know that we've got Greg Valentine and we have a 16-minute Ultimate Warrior match. I should have just just suggested 2003, but yeah. Just just get ready to watch Rick Rude put his working boots on. Uh, (laughs) Ted Ted DiBiase and Jimmy Snuka. And in the main event, Brutus, the Barber Beefcake, and Hulk Hogan with Miss Elizabeth 
taking on Randy Macho King Savage and Zeus, along with Sensational Sherry. Yes, in a match that was originally supposed to just be Barber in the mat, like in the main event of this show. Like that was it was going to be the Barber versus Macho Man, apparently, according to Wikipedia. Really? That I, if I remember right. Wow, yeah, and that would not have been good. But yeah, so SummerSlam 1989. That'll be a lot of fun. Join us then. Brutus is in the main event. I'm excited. We'll, we'll check it out then. But yeah, in the meantime, if you want to keep up with us, you can do so either on Facebook or Twitter. For Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast. On Twitter, it's at GrappleCast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. Um, uh, you can follow me, Tony G, at Beyond Sanity 19. And we'll catch you next week. SummerSlam 1989. Zeus. Retribu- oh, okay. Retribution. Yeah. That's the fucking group that's mm-hmm. Vince's idea saw- of what Black Lives Matter protesters look like. It, just not to like jump straight into current wrestling, but I, I just want to let you know as far as like Raw, I watched this week. I watched I watched all of Raw last week. This week okay. I wa- I tried to because I yeah. wanted to see Underground Week Two, but yeah. they fucking wore me down, and I fell asleep before <laughs> I could get to it. And that's okay. So I didn't quite get, but I did see a lot of random retribution shots throughout the first part of Raw. So well, I'm, I'm not going to talk about Raw this week because I'm just going to try to keep next week's news. Oh no! Now you're going to make no, it no. so that we have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about the underground from both weeks, but you didn't stay up long enough to watch that part. <sighs> okay, fine. What was the, the, when did you fall asleep watching Raw? What would you even want to talk about? Well, I mean, I, I got through quite a bit of it. It's because I didn't fast forward through any matches this week. Last week, I, I fast forward through some of the matches. I got you. Got so, but, you didn't, but you didn't make it to underground, right? Not this week, no. So you also didn't see like the end of the show? No. Okay. With what the happens Randy at the end? Rick Flair stuff. What's that? Is it what happened at the end? <laughs> no. Damn it. Fine. <laughs> Fine. I'll talk about this week's Raw. <laughs> I'm just curious now. No, well, not, we, then you know what? You're not going to. I will not, not curious enough to go back neglect, and watch the rest, but I'm curious. I will not just neglect the weeks prior. <laughs> That's either. fine. We can talk about both weeks. I just don't, I will, we don't just talk I about everything talk that we've about seen. it in a very quick manner, starting right now, in fact. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So there was, you know, promise of the big shakeup. I feel like this was two years ago. I feel it like does. there was promise of a big shakeup, and Shane McMahon was coming to Raw, <laughs> and you know, this is they're going to solve all their problems because you know nobody's watching, or at least not enough people are watching. Mm-hmm. It fluctuates. Anyway, we're not talking about ratings right now. Um, but what that was going to look like, there was a lot of talk. There'd been talks about a new faction. We talked about it. I had mentioned that there's yeah. a lot of nation domination rumors. Seems like maybe in a roundabout way that may have just kind of evolved into the hurt business. And now there's also oh, yeah. retribution, which we discussed in the dish. What little there is to discuss at this point, really. <laughs> um, yeah. And in lieu of that, I mean, the, you know, the, the stuff that was off the, that was striking at the beginning, I was like, Oh, technical difficulties. What a cool way to like, show that your show is edgy this week. Because, like, that's the first time it's happening. The lights literally, like, went out for a second. Yeah. And then Tom's like, oh, there's a problem in the truck. Uh, as he was sending dirty things yeah. to you online. And, yeah. Like, that, you had sent me a text about this as soon as you saw this start to happen. Yeah. And 
I immediately was just thinking, you know, well, there was that hurricane that I had heard about coming up the East Coast. Maybe that was in the air. But it's like, no, that was like two days before. Like, it wasn't even close. To well, but it's funny you should say that because they did blame it on weather. Like, that was yeah. the really. But again, that's the retribution stuff. I you know, don't want to go on to all okay. that again. But yeah, so the show, that's okay. That's our edgy new, like, ooh, we're changing things up this week. There's going to be technical glitches. That's fun. Um, a Hurt Business came out. Um, and I got to say, I've seen some, like, who are the MVPs of 2020 and, you know, of the, you know, of the no fans kind mm-hmm. of, I, I would put MVP at, near the very top of any list of, you know, shining stars. I'll say so that I can stop saying MVP over and over again <laughs> of, you know, the kind of the COVID wrestling yeah. era, you know, the empty, I mean, he, I, I mean, obviously Chris Jericho and a few others are hard to top, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's been really impressive because when he first came on, it was kind of like, all right, here we go. You know, yeah. it's, but I mean, he is, it's absolutely this group and their involvement in the show in the last two or three weeks is the highlight, you know, are some of the highlights of the show. Absolutely. So, You're not wrong there. The underground stuff that we, you know, we talked about earlier as well. So, but before all that, we had a U.S. title match because I think, you know, because Apollo finally going to get to carry that new belt around that he's actually <laughs> been the champion of for quite a while now. Um, MVP, of course, claims to be the real champion. Uh, and then it was, it's, it's just, it, they, they tow this line with Apollo because MVP's always calling about you and your excuses for why you weren't at extreme rules. And it's like, it's COVID. Like, <laughs> like he, but he won't say it. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, Vince, you are such an impossible asshole. Like, Ugh. won't let him take like the easy, like obvious, you know, problem, reason to stay home. No, no, yeah. he has to just sit there. And listen to MVP call him a baby and say that you know say that he's weak and all this stuff. And it's like that's what Vince thinks about the people that have probably oh. stayed home because of the virus or have had to go home because of the virus. Because this is the man yeah. that makes you, you know, like leave possibly fired forever for sneezing in his presence. <laughs> anyway, it's- I actually yeah. Go ahead. No, you're not wrong about the like they've taken they've done a good job taking advantage. Yeah. Right. Virus. I never been sick a day in my life. Um, Sasha and Bailey. You know, I, I hate to do them as a duo, but they would also be in any conversation for, you know, big stars, MVPs of this. You know, twenty twenty. As far as their involvement on both shows, you know, they're all over the, the top, place. At the top, yeah, at the top of the shows, main eventing the shows. You know, I mean, it's it's a little bit of overexposure to some degree, but it, they've also done a really good job. So it's hard to argue with. Uh, <laughs> The amount of exposure they've gotten in these last couple months. There were like I can't remember the exact moment, but there was like a moment on that show with the, those two. Either that or on SmackDown. I can't remember when what moment it was specifically, but I remember the specific moment on this week's Raw with Seth Rollins. But yeah. there was just a moment where I was watching, and it just felt like this is how. Like it's just weird to watch the way that because the, the WWE they don't do a lot of character progression generally, but things evolve and they do move and change and shift. And it's just weird. Like, I don't think these, like the way that we have just gotten to this point would have ever happened in the world of fans. Like the only way you can get here with the way some of these character changes have happened and they've been fine because they've had enough time to be established. Now that we've gotten used to them, but Mm -hmm. I feel like some of this stuff would have been booed out of the building before they even established it. Well, heel Bailey wasn't going great. Yeah. You know, just before they lost fans. Mm-hmm. And you could say she's really hit her stride in these last couple of months, 
But with the lack of an audience, you could also say, well, that's kind of hard to say. Like, <laughs> maybe performing it well, but is it being received well or does anybody give a shit, you know? So, yeah. Um, no, yeah, you're right. They don't have a whole lot of objection to anything <laughs> they do or say. So they, I guess there is that as a positive on their part. But I love, um, you know, Asuka is someone that a lot people were worried about at one point. But she's really established herself, I think, as someone that's not falling down the ladder again, I think, unless, yeah. you know, she leaves the company or something. She's really done a great job for herself. And Shayna Baszler being involved in this was very fun because just- as much as as much as I want to see Asuka and Shayna fight, I want to see those two beat up Sasha and Bailey. So. No, you're not wrong there. That's absolutely something that I want to see. But uh, with Asuka, like, it's just it amazing because you said, you know, it took them so long. Like, and it's just like, right. what? What was it? I'm so curious. She had to start dancing and gifts going viral. Like what the exact trigger was for Vince McMahon to be like, okay, let her just talk as much as she wants and then, oh, yeah. and, and let her just kind of go nuts and, and have fun. Cause as soon as they did that, like things started taking off and fans really like, cause they already liked her, but they really gravitated back to her. Like right. you said, with the gifts and dancing and just the, the mad promos. Well, and it seems like any of them, you know, ego or character aside, just about every woman I believe on this roster would tell you that, you know, Asuka is someone who they consider the bar to some degree. You know, yeah. that's, they want to work with Asuka. You want to push yourself to another level. You want to work with, you know, so. That makes sense. There's, she also has that on her side. I think she's well liked, <laughs> you know, aside from all of that. Um, two ladies that aren't liked as much, not really, but the Iconics. I liked their bit with Kevin Owens about how they wanted to be on the show. And his, I just loved his guy. Like, I, I planned this. <laughs> weeks in advance but he's like you know i was like i already have guests like i don't just oh. wing it you know like, i just i don't know i liked that i you know the idea of you know well, them assuming that they could just ask to be on this week and he's got this it's we booked weeks in advance it's also kind of like it's i don't know if if it is like a, a dig or just a, an inside joke too because it's like you know raw and smackdown haven't necessarily been weeks in advance for the past few weeks as well right. so. yeah no you're probably not wrong about that um, the Riot Squad saga, as you know, we'll cover two weeks worth of it. Uh, <laughs> Ruby Riot was on the KO show. She just opened about her problems, her yeah. losses, and coming back, trying to get started. And then here comes, what direction are we going this week, Liv Morgan? As uh, <laughs> She came out. She was kind of upset about the way things ended, the way she was treated. Ruby tried to reason with her. Um, you know, more retribution stuff here is the microphones were cutting out. I was like, yeah. real nice guys. Like that is that necessary, really? While they're trying to They gotta make it real, here? man. They gotta make it real. If it was if it was convenient, then we'd all pointed out how convenient it was. So Right. So but yeah, we got Ruby and Liv beating the iconics and will they be partners? Will they stay together? Time will tell. Yeah, it was one of those things where I didn't think the the promos or the dialogue was all that great, but like the end result is fine. It's something that I want to mm-hmm. see happen as far as the storyline, so I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, well, don't worry. It'll pretty much be over next week. But anyway, um, so Drew McIntyre came out, and uh, Randy followed not long afterwards. <laughs> My notes on this kind of stuff, it's, <laughs> it's literally they're mad at each other and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because this stuff is, these two are good. But it's just very. This was, this was a fast forward. Typical wrestling tough guy <laughs> stuff, you know, which yeah. is fine. They both do it well, but there's just not, you know, a whole lot of interest here. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah, Randy. Yeah, Randy been, mentions sorry. that he's gotten so many chances because he's the true chosen one. Because that's kind of the <laughs> core of this issue is that 
you know, they gave you everything when you got here and, you know, you squandered it away. And because Drew's talked about how you've gotten all these chances, you know, and yeah, Randy's like, yeah, because I'm a fucking badass and I take the ball and run with it and you <laughs> couldn't handle it. So, well, I mean, you could also I feel like you could also throw a bag and be like, you've gotten more than one chance, too. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, no. He And he takes he's playing the heel on that, too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a Ric Flair, Kevin Owens interaction backstage. Uh, tell Rick, Rick tells Kevin he isn't worried enough about himself, you know, and shouldn't you know be concerned about Randy. Uh, Ko says he's just helping his friends, and says he's trying to do things a different way, uh, trying to take a different way to the top. And the way Orton doesn't help others, you know, isn't a positive, and yeah, you know, they don't do things that way anymore. And, Flair tells him to mind his own business and take care of himself. And you got yourself a match next week. And <laughs> Randy's like, "All right, I guess." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so is is Flair officially his manager now, or is it just like Randy's really open to his suggestions? He's been his manager for like weeks leading up to this. And, okay, uh, like officially, on, like makes yeah. decisions for him and everything. Oh, sure, yeah. But more on that next with the uh, <laughs> next week's Raw. There, um, Nia Jax is in the ring. With former independent wrestling star, now producer Pat Buck, to apologize to him because he got knocked down during a melee the previous week. And uh, she was suspended and forced to do this apology. She fake apologizes and then beat him up again. And uh, yeah. So now she's she's suspended indefinitely. Yeah. Who knows what happened there? It's I, hard I I wasn't sure where exactly that was heading so far, but I guess they're just, you know, continuing to establish that she's mean and nasty. I guess while they don't put her on TV, like, <laughs> I don't know, you can't just keep having her, like, get suspended. Like, all right, we'll see you in a month. Don't forget, this monster exists, but she's just too yeah. violent. We can't, she can't stay, keep under the rules. We just keep suspending her. <laughs> uh, ninjas and all kinds of madness. Tozawa won the 24-7 title. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Shayna and Sasha. Um, Asuka screwed it all up. And it was a, a schmaz. And uh, Shayna wants to team up. And then that was when Sasha made the match that if Asuka beat Bailey next week, then at SummerSlam, Sasha Banks will take on Asuka for the championship. Yes. Bailey was not happy about this. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so, like, all right. Yeah, she was not thrilled. Um, Angel Garza beat Angelo Dawkins, and Montez appeared to be poisoned. Yeah, what something. is up with the poisoning thing? It, it was quite a week, man. Like I said, they just threw everything at the wall. Like, I don't know, because it continued. <laughs> the storyline had yeah. Bianca Belair attacking Zelina I, on like a Twitch stream. and I don't remember the exact like way that I was watching the last week specifically there, because I don't remember them hearing the word poison, because then when Bianca Belair says it next week, I was like, poisoning right. i was like where did this come from i just remember him collapsing i was like what is going on oh yeah because there was like interviews backstage and stuff where they were like denying having anything involved <laughs> any involvement in it because not only so he got poisoned but then he also had to have his match like he had a match with Andrade that ended when he collapsed in the ring in kind of an uncomfortable scenario but yeah it happened uh buddy murphy almost seems like he's uh you know, having some second thoughts, Seth tells him he has he's made the right choice, and uh, Buddy asks Seth about Dominic's challenge at SummerSlam, and he just kind of laughs and walks away. <laughs> um, 
Then we had kind of what I had described as a Jerry Springer-like segment where Bianca cut a very passionate promo with taking off her earrings and attacking Zelina Vega after accusing her of poisoning Tez. It's just like, <laughs> how is all of this happening? Oh, man. It was yeah. just not good. I mean, it's... But- I think it's fine as far it's just it's something for them to do it's something for them to fight over like whatever it's a reason for these two tag teams to wrestle it's fine for right. me because I like these two tag teams and I want to see them you know go at it yeah but yeah it is a weird ass story like when the, when the collapse happened I just didn't expect that at all and then, and then it was just yeah. awkward it was just uncomfortable and then to have the ladies fighting like that I thought was kind of like trashy TV you know <laughs> You're not wrong there. You're not wrong there. Just all of it was just very kind of like, ugh. Uh, did you watch the Seth Rollins make some Phillips cry segment? I don't remember specifically, no, but I might have. It was, just, it was just Seth Rollins, like, close face talking to Tom Phillips <laughs> and criticizing him for not calling it down the middle and that he's slanting the story and creating a bias against his movement and just like this. And Tom Phillips just like, this sad face like <laughs> uncomfortably like sitting there uh okay. but then it got awesome because then samoa joe stood up for tom and uh says to get in that ring before he slaps him <laughs> and says if he's mad about tom laughing well seth i was laughing twice as hard and seth says you don't want to do this joe and joe just take just takes the mic to mike to his mouth and says yes i do <laughs> and then seth and murphy called get into the ring and called Joe into the ring. And that's what Dominic would attack from behind with kendo sticks and rain both of them off. And Rollins would accept Dominic's challenge at SummerSlam. So we're going to have Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio at SummerSlam. Yeah. Yep. And a contract signing segment for Dominic Mysterio. Oh, next. Yeah, that coming up soon, folks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, the rest of you was underground stuff. So yeah, so not a bad week there for Raw. Um, over on the AE dub side of things, I, you know, the one thing that's been, the one thing that's been kind of talked about quite a bit is with the, the tag team, the ladies tag team, deadly draw tournament deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, the fact that instead of giving it dynamite time, it's on its own platform on YouTube, you know, like at some point I do have to kind of start calling bullshit on this company. From the no, standpoint it's where it's like, yeah, I thought for sure there would be at least like you know like some matches on. Like I didn't expect the whole thing to play out on Dynamite, but I expected some matches, man. And if WWE had done so much stupid shit, we'd be dishing about this. But it's, and then you're gonna have a tag team appreciation night on Dynamite, and you're going to have zero women well, tagged book. Those aren't real tag teams, though. They're, but you don't have any women's <laughs> matches booked. No, you're not wrong there. Yeah, it's and a lot you of keep stuff. doing this, and I'm not going to get. I'll get into the AEW heels things another day. But you know, you're doing all these things. You're saying all these right things. Yeah. Yeah, and then when you're called on these things, you delete your Twitter account. It's, but, they're way too ambitious. I feel like for the way that right. they, they they talk too much for how much they can do. They want to do a lot more that they right. they can do. Is the problem as well. Right. And you know, you look at these videos, and they have over half a million views, you know, mm-hmm. and that is a good thing. And that's dollars in another way for this company. Um, but it just feels like you could, you could do this entire thing over the course of your television, you know? Yeah. Because the, they're only like 35 minutes 
the ep- you know the the two episodes they've had okay. so far this tag team thing. How many matches do you get an episode? Two matches. I don't know, like two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, only two matches. You know what I mean? So yeah. like you could speed things up, or you could change the way you do something. I don't. Know. It is. It's just. I think the thing I think is the problem is they tried. The- I'm curious, is what I am, mm-hmm. if this is specifically just designed to get the the women's division just to have more work, to get right, just training almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right, it, but you don't, yeah, but, but I mean, it's, it's you, know. you know, they don't want to just have them in there to not be on television, not be recorded, and they want to be able right. to take advantage of it, so they put this thing together, but then when they announced it the way that they did, it made it seem mm-hmm. like it was going to be a big deal, like you said, and then... Well, but people have also even made good points about, you know, just things like look at a Penelope Ford, who you pushed to the moon kind of in lieu of a, of a title match with Sheeta at pay per view, and then she like wasn't on TV for a month after yeah. the match. You yeah. know, like so there's just a lot of that as well. And I mean, you know, I this is the you know, I mean, I'm not saying that they need to like. It's just they need. I don't know exactly what they need specifically. Like, how do you, you know, insert more of them, more of that storyline into the show when they've already, it doesn't seem like there's necessarily empty time on the AEW Dynamite program most no, weeks. No, no, because you've got, yeah, because there's a lot going on. Like, but let's just talk about it. So that, so the last week's episode of Dynamite, I, you know, I, I bring this up in lieu of also mentioning how many women's matches did they have on Dynamite last week? Yeah, they they seem to put so much of it on dark because it's not like they're not you know having women they wrestle. Had, they had one kind of a match on Dynamite last week, and that was when Swole beat up Reba, yeah, for a rebel. Yeah, for that Britt was a, that was a match, I guess technically. And that that was the only involve only segment involving women on the entire show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like I. At some point, it's, it gets harder and harder to defend against these people that have actually kind of been screaming about this now for months at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, no, you're not right. Anyway, there's also there was, there's talk yeah. of another show with yeah. TNT, but then there's also talk with the whole like new guy taking over like the company. Um, yeah. That it's like, well, what what happened to that talk? I don't know if the that's uh, going to be still DC around. DC fans, uh, DC Comics fans out there, I'm sure you're. Uh, yeah, reeling from all that. So you know, so yeah, that that Warner Media shakeup. Oh boy! Like, yeah, just hope they don't look in your direction is pretty much <laughs> the best thing you can do at this point. Because on one hand, I don't necessarily want another show from AEW. Right. I don't want another show to watch of wrestling. That you know, it's right. like I don't want more hours of television. Right. But yeah, at the same time, at you know, like you said, it it would be nice to have this division that they're apparently trying to build featured yeah. more than just. The you know the storyline that's keeping Britt Baker in the in the in the headlines instead of seriously she's on TV every week and she's been in a wheelchair the whole time like, it just doesn't seem fair um, but anyway twelve man tag that's right we got no ladies this is the no ma'am zone but we got a twelve man tag to open the show and there's a whole bunch more of these guys um, it was the elite teaming up with FTR to take on the Dark Order a few you know a few you don't. <laughs> Did you, see the, did you see the what? Hangman Page uh, tweet about the match before the match with the, just the match card? 
No, what was it? He just said, you know, a cult is someone that doesn't ever let you leave and keeps assuming that you're part of their group no matter what you say. And right. and it's just the picture of uh, him being part of the elite, you know, going yeah. up against the Dark Order. But That's a good point. Yeah, yes, he, I that was interesting. He he's, he's tried. He hasn't quite been able to pull that breakup off yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Dark Order would actually get the win. You know, fun, crazy stuff. People flying all over the place. Not all that surprising. Um, best friends beat Santana and Ortiz. Uh, what was worse was the aftermath of this match with uh, Santana and Ortiz busting up Sue's minivan, mm-hmm. spray painting it, breaking the windows. It was <laughs> quite a disgrace, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where it's it's fine, but it was just like it felt like very much like I just couldn't wait for the Bacha Mania like uh, Street Fighter like bonus round. <laughs> video of this of them just beating up this car <laughs> very true um, mjf gave us a tour of his political headquarters showing us around the office uh fired a guy for giving him bad gum um, <laughs> and another guy for hanging an unbalanced poster so he's running a tight ship here and i'd imagine this is going to run for a while the political thing here yeah seems to be the case uh matt hardy <laughs> Had a bad week. Um, yeah. Talking, talks about, you know, Sammy and says fans want him to focus on being himself. I was like, I don't know about that, but okay. Um, <laughs> he says Sammy didn't want his help. He says something about his bum boy. I don't even know what that means. Um, Sammy Guevara sneaks into the ring. They brawl. Sammy jumps off the stage through a table on Matt, and Matt bleeds a lot. And I Dude. didn't know why Matt was bleeding at that point. And then I, I still don't know. I don't, I don't know if he bladed or not because the the video of him getting that chair and that leg hitting him in the face, I'm pretty sure did it. <laughs> it looks pretty good, pretty bad. It seems pretty convincing. I yeah, mean, so I missed I missed the actual shot, but I saw the blood. It was just so much. Yeah. it was just like good grief, man. Yeah, and he's been playing the uh, kind of the shoot card with it, calling Sammy reckless, and he's going to end his career and you yes. know, all this kind of stuff. So. Not bad. Uh, we had the debut of a WWE mid-carder, if you want to even call him that, Matt Cardona <laughs> and Cody taking on two more Dark Order people. They somehow this... had two more to offer. See, here's the problem. Like, with this, uh, I mean, I don't know. This like this match itself, I didn't really find all that upsetting. Like, by the end of it, I really no, enjoyed the, like, I liked the finish part, like, and everything, and I really liked yeah. the guys that wrestled for the Dark Order. But oh, yeah, I like, I like Adam Reynolds and John Silver. Yep. Where suddenly, like one week, you've got a twelve man with a team all of Dark Order, and you've got another tag match with the Dark Order team, and like you were pointing out with like no women on the card, it's just like, what are we doing? <laughs> all this Dark Order shit. <sighs> I know, but yeah, you're right. The match is pretty good. Uh, Reynolds and Silver are very underrated guys on this roster. Yeah. Um, I like that they do the Avatar gimmick, and by that I mean the. Al Snow mid nineties WWF gimmick where he actually put the mask on when he got in the ring. And these guys do the same thing with their dark yeah. order mask. Yeah. Uh, Scorpio sky. I love how this is how we got a match booked for dynamite this week. Scorpio sky literally like stood slightly in the way of Cody <laughs> and they kind of looked at each other yeah. and I'm sitting there like, all right, this is the beginning of like, th- that's a great beginning to a feud here. TNT title match next week. I'm like, guys, like, can, can, Cody, can, can, Cody doesn't get to have feuds anymore. He just, I'm like, hey, like, dude, I, I kind of like, I liked 
him just kind of maybe taking on more of like the foreign incoming talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just yeah. that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. don't, I don't want to see him Bret Hart 1994, the AEW roster, <laughs> where he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to beat everybody. And then I'm going to complain that there's nobody left to fight. Because exactly. I mean, it's like, yeah. Like, how about you just keep beating guys that don't have contracts, you know, so that it's not I mean, you know, detrimental to the future of some of these people's careers? Like, it's gotten to the point now, though, where now that we've had the war horses and these, you know, the, the incoming Eddie, Kingston. yeah. Eddie Kingston's, the incoming folks. Yeah. It wouldn't, like, it almost feels like this is the obvious play to be the surprise win for someone else. Because it's yeah. it's now no, in AEW, you finally like it's the first in a few you know a succession of guys that is part of the actual program still that wasn't just hired because it went well or anything. But yeah, no, that's no, that's that's a good point, and that'd be great because otherwise I don't like, think it's going to happen. Scorp- but that would be nice. Scorpio Sky, Scorpio Sky doesn't need to have a fucking Cody Rhodes on his knees shaking his hand match. No, all right, yeah, Scorpio Sky, Whispering I'm his, almost positive has been in this business longer than Cody Rhodes. You know, yeah, it'd be interesting. As as, I'd be curious on as that. As far as working goes, so, anyways, I don't know. I'm just I'm hoping we're not just gonna like you know squash poor Scorpio Sky here, who we've been saying <laughs> since this television show debuted. Yeah, is a guy, is a person that they should have established early on as a top guy in this company well, and they, ran with, they, and they did. You know, they they kind of built him for like two weeks. They, they did it again. Yeah, he had one of these a year ago with Jericho. Yeah, you know, yep. it's like he's he's not a rookie, you guys. Like you don't need to do these like gimmicks uh, with like he's ready to go. <laughs> he's, definitely, he's a Taylor. He's a star and ready to go. But anyway, so that we'll see what happens. Um, Chuck Taylor cut a promo. He was mad because he personally told Sue that he would keep her van safe. And if any of you folks out there saw the video that was on, posted on Twitter earlier that day yeah. where they had to call and ask Sue if they could borrow the van. Chuck, he did say, hey, tell Sue I'll, I'll, I'll make sure nothing happens to it. So. <laughs> oh. No, I, awesome. I really enjoyed this promo from these two. Like, I've heard some people kind of criticize it, saying that it needed to be more serious, but I, like, when, when they start talking about, like, you know, after we beat you, you're going to call and apologize to Sue on speakerphone. I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> because I can't wait to watch Santana and happen. Ortiz yeah. have to apologize to Sue on speakerphone. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Oh. So, um, And then it was time. Holy hell. Oh, the, yeah, the debate. One of the, best, like, one of the best segments on wrestling television in this entire year. <laughs> AEW Super Wednesday Debate 2020. I love all the words. And they teased a guest moderator. I was like, mm, this would be a good spot for Tyson, maybe. Oh, yeah, I forgot know, about the Tyson connection. <laughs> I think that bubble might have burst now that he's going to actually fight, fight again. But yeah. uh, Eric freaking Bischoff. Dude, that's what I sent you the text of. Oh, this yeah. just got really interesting because I didn't yeah. know about any of the teas before. <laughs> he's the freaking moderator of this thing. Conrad has now officially gotten everyone that does a podcast with him a job in a major wrestling promotion. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is a permanent job or more of just a one-off. This felt very much I, like just a nice role to have him in. I mean, I would imagine he can probably come and go as much as he pleases. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I could see it being a recurring thing, but I just don't right. know that it would be a, like a, a fixed job, you know? No, no. Yeah, you're probably right. Maybe not. But yeah, certainly someone who could pop up in instances like this. Um 
or it's just a shame Chris. because I've I've so now associated the I'm back song with you him know. that it's like I wish they could have gotten that just to have it. That's true. That would have been good. Um, Orange and Jericho are in the ring at podiums. It was odd to have their backs to the moderator. That, that was a interesting production choice. Notice that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> now, I, now I want to see a presidential debate where they just Biden and Trump no, have their backs. To that's going to be like Donald Trump's going to be like, no, the only way I'm going to do the debate is if we can turn our backs to the journalists. Yeah. Fuck those yep. people. Fuck the media. I'm going to yep. turn my back to them and answer questions this way. Make make them look at the weird back of my head hair. <laughs> the weird swirl. Yeah. Yeah. No one understands it. Anyway, Jericho Orange put a clip 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 on tie on, which was just. An amazing Orange Cassidy moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when Eric Bischoff fell in love. The look on his face when he did that was <laughs> kind of funny. I loved the way that Jericho just kind of like would railroad through. If he like, <laughs> as soon as he realized that Orange isn't going to talk after the first time, he was just yeah. like, he was pissed off that Eric kept even waiting to give him the yeah. option. He was like, no, he's yeah. already decided well, he's not going to talk. And Jericho's just blind rage as far as his feelings about Orange mm-hmm. Cassidy is just comedy gold. Tells him it's great stuff. how much he hates him, how he doesn't take anything seriously. He's a ginger jackass who plays pocket pool on a weekly basis, which I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> um, Jericho then went on to explain why he's the better wrestler and star. Jericho admittedly calls himself a high school bully and talks about how much his suit costs on this night. Yeah. It was great. It was good Absolutely. stuff, man. I loved it. And I loved the, I liked, you know, with him talking about like, you know, he would, you know, steal his lunch money and all that shit and all that <laughs> yeah. ridiculous stuff. Like he just would, every, every chance he got, he would just like go overboard at yeah. Orange Cassidy regardless. <laughs> and, and then Eric would ask a question about rising sea levels and, uh, you know, kind of a global warming's effects on the world here. Mm-hmm. And Orange Cassidy, would speak very eloquently on the rising sea levels and the need to reduce the use of fossil fuels. Yeah. And it was amazing. <laughs> and I can't believe Bischoff's head didn't explode because he doesn't agree with any of that, just so you folks know. Um, <laughs> he certainly didn't make that that uh, that the case on the television. It seemed like he was ag- in agreement no. with him at that point. I know. I was, I was kind of amazed. I was like, oh, God, is he going to fucking express his opinions? Okay, good, he didn't. <laughs> Uh, Jericho would go on to call Orange Cassidy a pimple on the ass of the wrestling business. And uh, Orange would actually tell Jericho to shut up. And that was awesome. Again, without fans, all of this just feels like it's a a high school play dress rehearsal. Um, So he knows what he tried to do. Embarrass him by making the guy who doesn't talk do a debate. Orange says next week is the biggest match of his life and also Chris Jericho's. Yeah. <laughs> what if he loses to the guy who puts his hands in his pockets? And Dude. he tells Chris, look into the eyes of the man who will beat you next week. Yeah. Yeah. It was damn good. Like it was, yeah. you know, it was exactly what they needed from this character, you know, when you get to that serious point of the it's time to actually have the match and care and 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 it's I love that like you know, it's not that he just doesn't care, it's just that, you know, he's able to to let things roll off his back. Yeah, and he used that to his advantage, and like he's kind of letting him know that here. He's like, "Motherfucker!" Like, <laughs> absolutely. No, yeah. I mean it was awesome stuff. Orange Cassidy has a very uh, Kenny Omega way about his. Uh, oh, there was someone things. else very specific that I could not put 
now I cannot remember it at all, but I wanted to like mention it. I cannot remember it now. I'm gonna have to watch that and like come gotcha. back next week with it or something. Yeah. Uh, Jericho uh, Bischoff declares Orange Cassidy the winner. Jericho says he hasn't. I haven't liked Eric Bischoff for 22 years. Eric cuts him off and says it's 24 years, and I know the feeling, which I just thought was awesome. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, there was a beat down, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Britt Baker had teased having a mystery opponent for Big Swole. I was hoping it wouldn't be this exact person who she chose, and she, of course, chose Reba, the former rebel of TNA fame. Yes. Swole, uh, of course, beat her quickly Which, and severely. I mean, it was one of those things, like, I... I I don't want to steal this for a minute, but it, the, it was pointed out and I couldn't get it out of my head afterwards, but it's yeah. like, she's wrestled so many matches and like the story that they seem to be telling in the ring and with her and the way that she was acting was that she couldn't and doesn't know how to wrestle and isn't a character right. that knows that. Yeah. And yeah, then Taz but, yeah. is talking about the hundreds of matches that this woman has had. Is she the hairdresser or is she the wrestler? Like, yes. Yep. What is Oh, um, thanks, Ted. Moxley. Yeah, Moxley beat Darby Allen in a title match that was very good, um, but felt like it should have been on pay per view and maybe built towards. So, yeah, yeah, definitely, it definitely had that feeling. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was it was a fun time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the shocker of the week on NXT: the opener, number one contenders match to see who will fight uh, for the title at NXT Takeover. Dakota Kai beat Rhea Ripley. Damn. What's After Mercedes, Mar- Mercedes Martinez cost Rhea the match. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, was say, I, was, I was like, what's happening to Rhea Ripley, man? Like, she's just <laughs> dropping down the card. But, yeah, yeah you got to explain the context here. Yeah, we'll only hit some of the highlights here. Uh, triple threat qualifier for the uh, North American ladder match at TakeOver. Damian Priest versus Oni Lurkin versus Ridge Holland making his debut. Who is Ridge Holland? Okay. NXT UK fame. He is a giant man that... Throws people over his head. Is he from Holland? No, okay. I don't believe so. He had kind of like the tough guy bowler hat thing going on, and all right, he was impressive though. But Damian Priest got the win there. He's so like all the Damian... NXT UK characters that show up. They're just like I know, right? They're English. Like, oh, okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, what's your gimmick? I'm English. Oh, okay. So I kind of like I have like one of the pieces that you know, a, a random piece of clothing that you would find in the store in the movie The Kingsman. Like that's that's right. what I have. Yeah, uh, so Santos Escobar and his crew, DJ Z and Raul, I forget his name, Raul Mendoza. No, that's not his <laughs> name. I don't know. They drag Fandango to the ring. Escobar says the disrespect stops now. Um, it was really good stuff. Tyler Breeze tried to make the save, and he just got his ass kicked too, and that was about that. And then Pat McAfee joined the commentary table. And my I know how much you really- love him, man. What's that? I said I know as a Colts fan how much you love Pat McAfee, so... Oh, my God. I wish you people could just understand how, how much I wish he'd go away. Um, So he's out there. Andy Hartwell lost to Tegan Knox. He was kind of talking about the Adam Cole thing, but he was being kind of nice about it, so whatever. Uh, we get a tease for next week, or this week, Kushida, Cameron Grimes, and a mystery opponent Ooh. in the triple threat qualifier. Uh, Karrion Cross and Danny Burch, Damian Priest and Bronson Reed. Anyway, uh, main event time, Imperium defending their tag titles against Fish and O'Reilly. And this is when the Pat McAfee and Adam Cole stuff kind of heated up. Um, Phillips was kind of starting with some questions. Beth Phoenix took exception to the way Pat was talking about Adam Cole. Oh, really? And actually left com- left commentary. <laughs> what? Beth walked out in protest. <laughs> yeah. 
And Cole is kind of like, because it's an empty arena. I would so want that to like, be, like, if I become an announcer, I want that to be my, my gimmick, is that I yeah. leave the show at some point in protest, and usually, like, early yeah. in the show. <laughs> right. But he was going on about, you know, Adam Cole being a leprechaun or whatever, and he's short, and blah, oh, blah, blah. Okay. Finally, finally, Cole went over there, because they'd made up earlier in the day, and yeah. he's like, this is, we talked about this, it's not funny, you know, cut it out, blah, you know, this whole thing, Pat's, like, still kind of like... Gee, what's his problem? You know, like, yeah, you've got so much better control of your words here. What's yeah. where'd your curse just, words go? Cole? Just playing the real shithead, <laughs> and uh, eventually it happens, and they start to brawl. Um, all while Imperium would actually de- defend their titles. The fight no one asked for, <laughs> but everyone. Uh, will tri- get. Triple H and HBK and officials are out there trying to break it all up. Um, you get kind of separated. Cole is like planking on the announcer's table at one point. Okay. Like that that's just where they had sat him and he was kind of like on his stomach laying oh, on the okay. announcement table hanging over it a little bit. And Pat McAfee punted him in the head. Jesus. And he fell on his face on the he's floor. A, he's a you know he, that's like the Texas Tornado's discus throw. I mean, it's yeah. it's just the same here as with the he's a right. he's a natural punter. He's he's a world-class yeah. punter. Of course that's going to be vicious. Yeah. Yeah. Cole was motionless. Pat was removed from the building and was mocking Cole and laughing about how this isn't a very safe work environment and you know really being the antagonizer by the end of it so he's taking on the heel role now somehow in this i missed i haven't watched nxt this week or last week did did retribution attack nxt well it hasn't happened this week yet like we're doing the you know okay this is just last wednesday so no there wasn't anything last wednesday from him gotcha all right no no retribution from nxt so we'll see what happens there but yeah um, so solid stuff there, I guess. I don't like, this is just the kind of weird associations where I know Pat McAfee has like his own, you Fan know, base brand yeah. degree. He's got his podcast, his whole network. And mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he's, he's a thing. Yeah. No, he does. Know? He shows up all the time in like random yeah. ass places. Like, yeah. I mean, he's not like Joe Rogan or, but yeah. that's the kind of a thing he's trying to build. You know, I okay. feel like it's something it's in that kind of vein, you know, where, uh, but I don't know how much of a bump you'll get from something like this. You know, I don't, how much his fan base is going to well, be interested in watching something like this. I mean, if it's true that he's been training, I mean, if he wants to be, I mean, does he want to be a wrestler at some point? Like, does he want to do like the Ronda Rousey year long tour to end at WrestleMania or something? Or I don't think this is anything that serious. I could be wrong. We'll see. We'll see. God, I don't, you're, you're in I don't for know. a year of of Adam Cole versus, <laughs> versus no. Oh. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that. All right. Nothing from SmackDown that triggered your <laughs> attention. Don't, don't do this to me and people that probably give a shit about oh. SmackDown because no, I didn't fucking okay. watch it and I didn't take any notes on it. All right. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Oh, shut up, you fat, bald-headed little Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.